Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is our special open spoiler discussion for Thor, Love, and Thunder. All right, guys, so here's how this is going to go, all right? I'm going to give you my thoughts in the... Um, in the basic overall kind of feeling in a kind of spoiler way of Thor, Love and Thunder. And then we're just going to basically take the rest of the show to hear from you and get your live thoughts and comments, opinions, theories, whatever questions you might have. Go ahead and use the Super Chat feature to fire those in. I will let you know the Super Chat feature has been open all day and it's already kind of full. So I'm going to be turning off the Super Chats probably in the next 10 minutes or so. So if you've got a thought, opinion, observation, theory, whatever that you want to fire in and have me read off, Go ahead and do that pretty quickly. Okay, so I'm also going to let you know this is going to be a, a long one. I'm going to go as far as I can because, you know, my voice is in my throat. and I still got a bit of a cough that I'm working through. Um, and I'm going to be taking a break. I'm going to be taking about a three to four minute break about every 45 minutes to an hour because this is going to be a long one. So, so buckle in. We got a ways to go, right, guys? All right. So with that said, Let's just get into it here. I'm going to give you my basic thoughts on Thor Love and Thunder. This is a very entertaining movie. But with that being said, it is not one of the stronger MCU movies, in my opinion. I think it is actually my third favorite Thor movie. My favorite one still being the original Thor done by Kenneth Branagh. My second favorite one very close to it is Thor Ragnarok. Uh, love that movie. That, that movie's incredible. Um, and this one, it worked on many levels, but it also did some things that I think knocked it down a little bit than some of the other ones. As a matter of fact, I just put up on Twitter uh, a day or two ago. I said, listen, here's my favorite things, my favorite comic book things that have been put to screen in the last year this or this year in 2022. Number one for me was the Batman. That's still my number one thing. Number two is The Boys Season 3. Number three is Peacemaker. Number four is Ms. Marvel, but that might drop depending on how good or bad the finale is. And number five for me is Thor Love and Thunder, uh, followed by Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, followed by um, Moon Knight, then followed by, in last place, Morbius. So that's how I would kind of rank that right now. So entertaining movie. I've seen it three times now. Every time I was in a theater, the, the theater was laughing hysterically. Now, that's not true of every every theater is different, right? So I had like one of my best friends, their theater was in. They were like, really, they loved the movie, but they said the theater they were in was totally quiet, like no laughing in the theater for them, even though they liked it a lot. So it'll differ from theater to theater. Here's the thing. I told everybody after I saw the advanced press screening of uh, of Thor, I said, look, whether or not you like this movie is going to be very, very contingent on whether the sillier kind of humor can resonate with you. Because humor hits us all in very different ways, right? Like some people love Money Python. Some people, their humor just doesn't work for them. Nothing wrong with that, right? So it really all depends. And I told people, if you are somebody that the sillier kind of humor like a faulty towers kind of humor. If that kind of humor can resonate with you, I think you're going to have a really good time. But I told people, if you're one of those people that the sillier kind of humor that doesn't resonate with you, like for a lot of people, 
then this movie probably isn't going to be for you. Because while Thor Ragnarok had a decent amount of silly humor, I think Thor Love and Thunder, I think it's fair to say that Thor Love and Thunder really leans a lot more into that silly aspect. And if that doesn't work for you, then this movie ain't going to be for you. Remember, I, I said that weeks ago before the movie came out. And for me, for the most part, for the most part, for me, the humor very much worked. Like a, a good example of that is like the love triangle thing of Thor, Mjolnir and Stormbreaker, right? Now, they they went back to the well on that joke a little too many times. But the first couple of times, like when Thor is just sitting there talking about Stormbreaker or talking about Mjolnir, and all of a sudden, like from off camera, Stormbreaker kind of comes floating into screen. I'm not going to lie to you. I laughed my ass off at that. And I did a couple of times. They, they, they went back to the joke just a couple of times too many. But, you know, that kind of joke, that kind of silly humor, it really worked for me. I ain't going to lie to you. One of my favorite things about this movie, I'm going to talk about things I didn't like about the movie in a minute. But let me talk about some of the things that I really did like. Um, the silly humor thing again about whether this works for you or not. Russell Crowe is going to be top of that list because Russell Crowe for me kills it in this movie. That's it. You are uninvited to the orgy. I love Russell Crowe in this. Now, I'm a, I'm a huge Russell Crowe fan. Everybody knows that. But I loved him in this. Chill, baby cakes. I love Thor in this. Or uh, I love Zeus in this. I love Russell Crowe in this. He killed me. But again, he was played in such a way that if that kind of humor doesn't resonate for you, then the Russell Crowe Zeus won't work for you. And that's totally cool. That's totally fine. Not every kind of humor appeals to all of us. But for me, that totally worked. And also tell you what, one of the big bones of contention with a lot of people have been the goats. Let me draw my line in the sands. I don't care what anybody says. The goats were fucking awesome. It, it didn't matter. They could go, they could do the goat screen a hundred times in that movie. Anne and I, we laughed our damn asses off every time they did, especially when they crashed into the shadow realm world. Like as, as they do that forced perspective trick with the camera and the their ship is flying towards shadow realm world and you think it's a lot further away and they crash right into it and all you hear is crash. Then there's a beat of silence said, the goats, I don't care what anybody says. Fuck everybody else. I don't care. I thought the goats were hilarious. But again, it'll all depend on your particular style of humor, right? And if, if that style of humor didn't work for you, then it wasn't going to work for you. Totally good. I'm, I'll be honest with you. Right now, the audience score on Thor Love and Thunder is at 81%, which is higher than I thought it would be. Because like I said, when I came out of the theater the first time, I said, this is all going to depend on your style of humor and what works for you and what doesn't. It worked for me, but I, I really did anticipate it wasn't going to work for the vast majority of people. I, so I was expecting it 65 to 75% audience rating, to be honest with you. So the fact that it's coming in at 81%, uh, I, I think is surprising. I, I think that's impressive. Still, <clears throat> I thought Thor was great. Although I'll talk about one of the things about Thor himself that didn't work for me. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I thought Thor was great. I thought Jane was great. I have never liked the Thor-Jane relationship in the Thor franchise until this movie. <clears throat> like even in Thor 1, and I love Thor 1, 
But the one thing about Thor 1 that did not work for me was the Thor and Jane relationship. I've, I've said that for years. It's never really worked for me. It never worked for me in Thor Dark World. I've never really cared a lot about it. This movie made me care about it. So that's impressive because I've never liked their relationship. And all of a sudden I did. I liked her character a lot. I liked the, the cancer side story, the way that worked into it. The fact that using Mjolnir was actually preventing her body from being able to do anything. I, I mean, I just thought that was a really good approach. I like that. Gore was great, but a bit underused. Then again, the Thor movies have never been about the villain. Like Thor Dark World really wasn't about Malekith. Thor Ragnarok was about Thor. I'm not surprised that even with Christian Bale playing Gore, that they firmly kept the focus on Thor and his immediate circle, right? That's kind of par for the course for... Um, for the Thor movies, right? So wasn't really surprised that they didn't focus a lot on gore because that's not what Thor movies do. But I mean, Christian Bale was so good in the role that I, I would have liked to seen a little bit more of that. So was that I thought the action was quite good when the fights were going on, like everything from that first fight in New Asgard, when the shadow monsters show up, that fight was great. The fight on Shadow World, I thought was really good. Um, and I'll tell you what else. I have a big problem with the Thor, Gore, and Asgardian children fight scene. I'll talk about that in a second. I'll talk about what my big problem with that scene was in a second. But I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you that fight filled me with joy. Like, I'm watching these this, this horde of Asgardian kids going, like running into battle, going, and their eyes glowing with power and all this kind of stuff. I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I got a huge kick out of that despite the big problem I have with that scene, and I will talk about that big problem in a second here. So I thought that was great. I've always liked Valkyrie. I love the fact that Valkyrie was, is now, she's a warrior, and she's burdened with being a bureaucrat, and she hates that, and I, I love that. You see the, the glimmer get back into her eye when she's thinking about getting into a fight. I love that. I thought that was great. Um... Yeah, and, and again, for me, the humor, I just laughed a lot because the humor in this film did work with me like it did for 81% of the other of the other people. It worked for me. Not all of it, but it worked for me. So it is my fifth favorite thing, comic book movie related thing in 2022 so far. That should give you an idea about how I rank it. It is my third favorite Thor movie. Uh, so I liked it, but not top tier MCU. All right. <clears throat> Now, let me tell you about a couple of my big problems with this movie. All right. I said I had, I love Thor in this. I love Chris Hemsworth in it. But here is one of my big problems. In Thor Love and Thunder, they kind of make him OP. They, they kind of make him overpowered. He's too strong. And I get it. Well, John, what part of God of Thunder don't you understand? No, no, I get it. But in, in all the other MCU movies that Thor has been in, he's been quite powerful, but never overpowered, right? And it starts right from the beginning. Like, I like the big battle in the opening with the Guardians of the Galaxy and that the bird-like alien species. But the very fact that the entire team of the Guardians of the Galaxy are like really struggling against this opposing army and Thor can just walk in without 
breaking a sweat and take out all of them in a matter of a minute, right? Take out everything in a matter of, of a minute. <clears throat> I, I just felt throughout the movie that in a straight up one-on-one fight, even when, even when Gore would have him at a disadvantage a couple of times, I, I never really felt like Thor c- couldn't win this fight if he really wanted to right now. Like it just, it just felt a little, a little overpowered to me um, in other things. So that was my one problem with Thor. Now let's talk about that Thor and the kids scene. All right. I love the battle. I love these little children screaming in Viking blood frenzy rage. They become berserkers. I like that. Then the fight was fun. But since when can Thor just give his power to anybody? To anybody. Like I'm watching that and I'm thinking to myself, Okay, if Thor can just give the overpowered power of Thor to anybody, then why in Avengers Endgame, when they were having that big final battle against Thanos, why didn't he just say to all the other, you know, all the other Avenger characters that were there and something that to Hawkeye or to Black Widow or to any of the rest of them and say, hey, we're going into a fight with Thanos. You know, it would be helpful if you had my power. I bestow upon you the power. Like, why didn't he do that then? Why, why didn't he do that for all of Asgard as they're getting ready to fight Hela or trying to stand up to Hela? Like, why out of nowhere can Thor just suddenly magically go, oh, I give my power to all of you. And why doesn't he do that all the time? Why didn't he do that for the rest of Asgard, new Asgard, when the shadow monsters were attacking? Why didn't he go, wow, this is uh, this is a sticky situation. The uh, the the shadow uh, the shadow monsters are attacking New Asgard, huh? Well, my fellow Asgardians, I give you all the power of four. Would have made it a pretty short fight. Would it have made would have made it a pretty short fight? And then he like he says, you know, I'll give them the power, although temporarily, of Thor. I mean, it just yeah, it just. Again, it, it makes no sense. Like if he's given to the children then, why didn't he give it to the Asgardians earlier? Why why doesn't he give it to to um Korg or why does I, I don't know. So that that part kind of pulled me out of it because now whenever I go into the rest of uh the rest of the Thor movies, why have, why he doesn't because remember it was his incantation was much the same as the incantation that the Allfather, that Odin gave, you know, be they worthy and what I shall temporarily possess the power of Thor. And then on top of that, like wielding Zeus's lightning bolt, right? (coughs) This is the other thing to me. Zeus's lightning bolt. um, I get you can take possession of it, but Thor has never touched Zeus's lightning bolt, Right? He's never touched Zeus's lightning bolt. You would think that you would have to be a certain level of power to be able to wield it. And even if, because I think of, I think of Zeus's lightning bolt, considering he's supposed to be the epoch of all the gods, right? 
you would think that not just anybody could wield it. I, I would think of it in terms of a little bit of like a um, an infinity stone. Like not anybody can just grab it and hold it. Like even Peter Quill, who is part celestial, even he wasn't going to be able to hold on to that stone for long. Now, I'm not, they never say that Zeus's lightning bolt is like an infinity stone. They never say that. But it just seems to me <clears throat> that if you're one of these uh beings if you try to wield zeus's weapon and, and and then aside how would you even know how to use it because like the power a lot of the children had was very much like zeus's power right okay but if you're thor how would you even know how to use the lightning bolt how, how would you even know what incantations do or do not work? they're not even in the same god pantheon like, like Odin and the Asgardians and, and, and Thor, they're in the Norse mythology. Zeus is in the Greek mythology. They're not even in the same pantheon of the gods. How would he even know how to do that? It's a little thing, but it's, it's one of these little things that just bothers me. You know what I mean? It just, it just bothers me a little bit. One of the other little things that bothered me was the fact that they broke canon with Korg. Because in this movie, they make it seem that Korg's race are all male, right? They say the way you make a new, uh, I can't remember the name of his species. The way you make a new one is two dudes go down a volcano, hold hands over the fire until everything melts and it comes out a new little Korgling, right? But in Thor Ragnarok, Korg referenced his mum. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's just a semantic thing. <clears throat> maybe that's just a semantic thing. I don't know. So it's just, uh, it's whatever. So, but that little part kind of bothered me. Like, I don't mind that he ended up with a guy named Dwayne and the mustache on him was hilarious. But I mean, it was just, but in the previous movie, you said you're like, you had a mom. So I, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Not a big deal. Look, overall, this is not one of the stronger Thor films. It's not one of the stronger MCU films. But at the end of the day, I walked out of that theater with a smile on my face. I had a good time. Had a good time. Not as good as Peacemaker, not as good as The Boys Season 3, not as good as The Batman, anything like that. But you know what? I'm going to, when it comes out on Disney+, Plus, I've probably seen it as many times as I'm going to see it in theater now, having seen it thrice. But when it comes out on Disney+, Plus, I'll be tuning in and watching a couple more times. I had fun with it. So anyway, that's kind of my big thing with Thor Love and Thunder. To me, it was funny. It was entertaining. Um... I love that. And the one thing I'll say, too, is this with Thor being as powerful as he is. I like the fact like some people I read, some people say, well, they made Thor dumb. It's like, actually, they didn't. Actually, they didn't, because whenever things got serious, Thor usually knew exactly what to do. Right. Like <clears throat> when the children were kidnapped, Thor was like, I know how to reach out. You know, Heimdall taught me this. I'm going to be able to reach out and take myself to the children so I can talk to the children. Right. He can do that immediately when things are getting serious with Gore. He's able to have that conversation with Gore. Like when things need to get serious, Thor is able to get serious when they're having the thing. When he's having his conversation with Zeus, he's like, when did the gods lose their way? When do we come powerless? We need to do this. Right. Like when things are serious. But I find when things aren't that serious with Thor, that's when he becomes very aloof. And maybe that has something to do with how powerful he is. Um, I'm not really sure. But yeah, so those are kind of some of my thoughts uh, on the movie. So <clears throat> uh, that's it. Yeah, good movie, entertaining, good amount of laughs. 
It was a step backwards for the franchise, in my opinion, compared to Ragnarok or Thor 1. Certainly, it was better than Thor The Dark World. But yeah, at the end of the day, decent movie. Had some very, very big laughs for me, and uh, I'm, I'm happy with it. But again, not as good as Batman, not as good as Peacemaker, not as good as The Boys Season 3. I don't think as good as Ms. Marvel. Um, so a mid-tier entry, and hey, listen, it's also the most successful Thor film so far, because Thor Ragnarok opened with $122 million. This thing opened with over 140 million. I, I didn't. I don't have the exact number yet. So it's the most successful opening for a Thor movie yet. We'll see how it does as weeks go on. But yeah, there's that, guys. Okay, I am now uh, going to turn off the super chats in about 30 seconds. We've already hit our full length, but I'll leave it open for another 30 seconds, and I'll turn it off. But for now, let's jump on over and get to what you guys have to say. About this, we're going to start from Fat from Milk, who writes, Korg is the worst character in this movie, served almost no purpose other than comic relief. Yes, his presence was invasive and his jokes fell flat. I'm going to agree and disagree with you. On the one hand, did I feel that the Korg character needed to be there, like Jane needed to be there? No, Korg didn't need to be there. I a thousand percent disagree with you that his jokes fell flat. I, I found his jokes pretty funny. Um, he also kind of became the construct narrator for the movie, right? Taking us through the various things of, let me tell you the story about this. Now, let me tell you the story about this. And then when it gets to the end, it really was a nice tie off with telling the story of love and thunder. That was a nice narrative construct, but I do agree. I never felt like Korg needed to be there, but I thought he did bring a nice element to it. All right. Mike Hill writes, um, seems like they're going to make Avengers versus the gods next. Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, that's possible. I definitely think they're obviously going to go Hercules. By the way, I love the post-credit scene, the mid post-credit scene, seeing, uh, Roy Kent as Hercules. Yes, father. I, I'm like, okay, Thor versus Hercules. Sign me up. I'm there. Um, I don't know if they're going to go full gods. Remember Zeus is still there. So he didn't actually die. I think they're going to keep them more isolated. But, I mean, if they did, then you got the Celestials were there. You got the other gods there. I mean, they could do something like that. All right. Um, next up, we got Sam Fisher writes. Really enjoyed it. It is definitely sillier than the last one, but it knows when to get serious, which was my big problem with Age of Ultron. I agree. Th this It did lean way more into the silly, like especially like with Bao, the god of dumplings, right? Like, well, that wasn't necessary. I won't lie. I did giggle, though, at it. Um, but... Yeah, it knew when to get serious. And I think it could use a few more serious moments, but, you know, they were able to walk that line a little bit. Uh, Danito writes, uh, Onipotent City was world building gone too far. Like, why didn't Thor go to them during Infinity War Endgame? Though I do appreciate the commentary on elitism. Actually, that's a very good question. If Thanos is threatening to destroy half-life in the universe why not go to Omnipotent City? That's a good question. Were the gods, were the gods susceptible to the effects of the, of the snap? I don't know. That's a very good question. I don't know. But that's a, that's a great thing to bring up to you. You'd think he would have gone to Omnipotent City. Yeah. All right. Josh Kahn writes, there's definitely a common thread throughout most of Marvel in phase four gods, realms, and young Avengers. They need to be more forward with it, but uh, we are definitely getting secret wars and young Avengers. I'm not so sure. 
I mean, just because the the young Avengers, various young Avengers characters are there doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do young Avengers. I'm going to be I'll, I'll tell you right now, my my prediction is if they do young Avengers, it'll be a shitty Disney Plus series. I don't know that. I mean, I, 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 I hope I'm wrong about that. But I have a feeling that if they do Young Avengers, and I don't think they will, but but they could. But if they do, I think it'll end up being a really shitty uh, Disney Plus series. But then again, uh, hope springs eternal. I keep my fingers crossed. I hope I hope that it does, and I hope it works out right. All right. Uh, thanks for that, Josh. Uh, next, Sam Fisher writes, Gore wasn't as three-dimensional as I thought he would be. He was great, and Bale was Bale, but something felt missing from the character. I think it's just the fact that they didn't spend a lot of time with him like like in all the other thor movies um with with most of their things the villain is simply there to be the obstacle for the hero and there's nothing wrong with that that works in a lot of movies i think though when you have a character like gore and then you go out and get like one of the world's great actors in christian bale to play it I think that created an expectation in a lot of people that he might be more present in this movie than he actually was. We shouldn't be surprised that he wasn't because that's the pattern of Thor movies. They focus on the hero, not on the villains. But I think they could have used a little bit more of him here. I think they could have used a little bit more of him. All right. Uh, Danita writes, Marvel fake death universe has never been stronger. What, what did they do that here? Did they do that in this movie? Was there a fake death in this one? I mean, there was Gore's daughter, but she's not a relevant character, so I wouldn't even count that one. Um, they, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, listen, my biggest complaint about the MCU is that they do fake deaths way too much. I can't really think of how they did that in this movie. Other than, well, Korg, uh, Korg, actually, uh, Bruce just said that in the live chat as well. Oh, that's right. And Epic Frost mentioned Zeus too. Yes, you're right. Zeus is fake death. Yep, you're right. You're right. They did it twice. Korg, although Korg, they only made you think he was dead for like a second, but still, still. And the Zeus one. You're right. Those are good. Well pointed out, guys. All right. Uh, Hoop Sooney writes one of two. I was digging this movie for the most part and loved the black and white sequence, but felt it went completely off the rails after that and made some baffling decisions like making Gore seem so menacing and scary in the next scene, have Thor show up and make a bunch of kid Thors. The end did not work for me, but better than taking, uh, but better than taking no risks. I, here's the funny thing though. You know, when I first came out of the movie the first time, I thought to myself, Thor didn't actually accomplish anything in this movie. Like, when you look at it, what did um, Gore want to do? Gore wanted to, number one, acquire Stormbreaker so he could open the Bifrost to open the gate to eternity. He then wanted to get to eternity to wish that all the gods would be killed. Well, at the end of the day, Thor wasn't able to stop him from doing any of those things. He did acquire Stormbreaker. He was able to use Stormbreaker to activate the Bifrost and open the gate to eternity, and he was able to get to eternity. Literally, all those things that Gore wanted to do, Thor was not able to stop him. And so, when I first came out of the movie, I thought Thor didn't actually accomplish anything in this movie. He didn't win. It wasn't until I saw the movie the second time 
once I saw the movie the second time, what, what I realized in that final scene was that Thor doing all of his Thor things and Gore, the God butcher, um, Gore, the God butcher, seeing Thor act in a way that was completely unlike his vision of how the gods are. Thor was self-sacrificial. Thor had love. Thor had empathy. Thor was willing to, you know, be of, Thor was there to help others. These are all the antithesis of everything Gore thinks about the gods, right? So after I saw the movie for the second time, I realized, wait, if Gore hadn't seen Thor do all the things that he had done through the movie, then at the very end, as he's at the altar of eternity, I don't think Gore would have just wished for his daughter back. I think Gore would have been still filled with every bit of rage and anger that he had, and he would have wished for the death of all the gods. I believe, after seeing it the second time, that it's because Thor was so heroic that when Jane is dying and he sees that Thor just wants to hold her because he, Thor as a god elevates love above all, above all other things, that when Jane says to him, says to Gore, like, and, and Thor says to Gore, you're not looking for anger. You're looking for what we're all looking for. You're looking for love. If there had been any other god that said that to Gore, Gore would have brushed it off as just a spewing desperate attempt by some god to save their own life. But because he saw Thor act the way Thor had acted throughout the entire movie and act in a self-sacrificial service love sort of way, that it actually meant something to him. So, yeah, the first time I saw the movie, I thought Gore didn't, or Thor didn't actually do anything. By the end of it, I thought, well, actually, he kind of did. So I don't know. I, I'm, that's still a, an evolving thought process in my head about that, but it's, a, it's an interesting thing nonetheless. All right. Uh, let's see here. Curtis Lopez writes, I thought this movie was okay. I think they could have done 50-50 with the comedy and serious moments. It seems they went 80 for comedy and 20 for drama. I agree. I agree. And while the humor for the most part did work for me, Curtis, I do think instead of 80-20, maybe they should have gone for 60-40, 65-35. But I think you're right. They went kind of 80-20. I would have preferred it to be in a little bit more balanced. So I agree with you on that. All right. Sam Fisher writes, I think the 100% hid the kid. I think the, I think the 100% hid the kidnapping in the marketing. So that was a nice surprise. Really like Astrid or I guess Axel. <laughs> I, listen, this movie is so filled with Guns N' Roses. There was so much Guns N' Roses. I didn't even mind the idea of the kid wanted to rename himself Axel. That was fine. But the, the, the thing, no, I'm Axel. No, you're Astrid. No, I'm Axel. I, that was kind of a dumb joke. That didn't work for me. But the kid was good. I mean, the kid was good nonetheless. All right, Hoop Suni writes, Seeing Roy Kendis Hercules made me even more excited than I've been in a long time from a post-credit scene. I'll tell you what, that post-credit scene, I think, is my favorite Marvel post-credit scene since Spider-Man Far From Home's post-credit scene with J.K. Simmons. I haven't gasped at a post-credit scene in years. That one, first, I just love seeing that Russell Crowe was back. So it's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. 
And this is my son, Hercules. And the thing, yes, father. And you see Roy Kent as Hercules. I, I gasped. And I haven't done that for a post-credit scene in a long time. All right. Curtis Lopez writes, uh, what I'm not okay with at this point is that new Asgard as an ice cream parlor themed after the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> I, I laughed at that. I thought that was great. Uh, the thing that caused mass genocide uh, on their people, is it just me or does that seem wrong? But don't for forget, it was also the Infinity Gauntlet that brought everybody back, right? The Infinity Gauntlet is nothing but a tool. It is ni neither a force of good or evil. It was just a thing. It took half the people away. It brought everybody back. So I, I didn't personally for me on that level, I didn't mind that. Uh, I didn't mind that part for me at all. All right. Thanks for serving that in, Curtis. Sam Fisher writes, well, we knew that when they said Zeus was in this, they would introduce Hercules. Uh, wouldn't have picked Brett, but damn, I love uh, it's Avenge Me, Hercules. I know I I had heard a couple of rumors that it was going to be him playing Hercules. Honestly, I didn't believe them. Now, then again, I heard I heard about 40 different rumors of who could be playing Hercules, and I didn't believe any of them either. But I heard him and I thought, mm, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think it would be him. I don't think it would be him. And then seeing it on screen, I was like, <gasps> I got very, very thrilled. I was thrilled, Sam, to see him that he was going to be in that. All right. Jin the Jedi writes. Uh, let's see where are we at here. Uh, Jin the Jedi writes. A solid, somewhat self-contained story. Pacing issues aside. Pros. Visuals and ending with his daughter. That ending was great. I loved the ending with love and thunder. Love her. Love, 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 love her. And I love the the very short glimpse we got of the dynamic between them two. I, I, I adore that. Anyway, pros, visuals and ending with his daughter, Young Avengers incoming, uh, Gore's development, uh, Thor's goofiness, hit and miss humor, enjoyable. Yeah, again, I got a lot of pros. I got a number of cons with this movie. Not one of the stronger outings, not even the second best Thor movie, but enjoyable. I laughed. I had a good time, Jen. All right, next up. Sam Fisher writes, I don't think we are going to, <coughs> pardon me, I don't think we are going to see Thor's foster daughter, or I guess love, as we're calling her, join the Young Avengers, like people like people here are assuming. I, get, I don't even think there's going to be a Young Avengers. And I wouldn't put money on that. I'm not guaranteeing they're not going to do the Avengers. I, don't misinterpret me and don't misquote me. But if I had to guess, I don't even think they're actually doing Young Avengers. So... That's my take on that. And again, if they do, it'll be some shitty uh, Disney Plus series. All right. Aaron uh, D. Green writes, the first act was the worst schlock Marvel has put out. The second was some of the best. I've never seen a more j uh, jarring tone slash quality shift in a film. Um, Listen, as much as I complained that Thor kind of came across as overpowered in that opening battle scene against the bird creatures. Uh, come on. Come on. Who didn't laugh? When the camera pans back and you see Thor doing a, uh, uh, a Jean-Claude Van Damme splits thing, holding the ships apart. Was that goofy? Absolutely it was. But come on, that was funny. At least I thought it was funny. <laughs> goofy? Absolutely. Would they have done that in a Captain America movie? Absolutely not. But I, I kind of like the little Jean-Claude Van Damme reference there. Oh, but that was just me. All right, Jim X Mafia writes, I think Jane whispers it's Morbin time to Thor's ear. Yes. Yeah, when he says, I think I've got the perfect catchphrase. It's Morbin time. Perfect. I think they need to make that canon, Jim. All right. Hero 75 writes, 
Gore felt very much like a vampire or horror monster, most of all when it when he took the children. I hope the people doing Blade took notes from that. Yeah, he was great. You know what? I saw a great interview with uh, some people were complaining that Gore didn't look more like he looked in the comics, which, quite frankly, I was perfectly good with the look of of Gore. But I saw this great interview with uh, Taika Waititi, who said we could have made him look more like he did in the comics, but I think a lot of people would have then compared him to um, uh, Voldemort. And I'm like, really? And then I looked at some images side by side and I'm like, yeah, when you look at the comic book drawing of Gore, he kind of looks like Voldemort. And to, to hear that Taika Waititi said they made the conscious decision not to make him look like that because they didn't want those comparisons. I personally thought that made a lot of sense. I, I personally thought that made sense. All right. Uh, Sam Fisher writes. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Um, let's see. Oh, so I just got to do something. There we go. All right. Uh, Sam Fisher writes. Um, so based on how they reproduce, does Korg species only have one gender? You know what? It's almost not worth thinking about. See, that's that was one of my problems, right? Because if you only saw this movie, you would think Gore's species is one gender species, which is fine. But in the last movie, he made a direct reference to his mom. Again, maybe that's just a semantic thing, but it's 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 like a little sliver in my brain that's just kind of bothering me a little bit. Uh, next up. Sam also writes, I totally thought someone uh, someone would you eternity's wish to heal Jane. I'm torn on her death. On one hand, I loved her whole arc. The other hand, I wanted more of her. Um, I, I don't know. I thought there was a perfect amount of Jane. I thought there was a perfect amount of Jane. But here's one thing, too, that doesn't quite make a lot of sense. If everybody has known about eternity... Uh, by everybody, I mean all the gods know about eternity. And Thor knew about eternity. I mean, Valkyrie knows about eternity. And the only trick to getting to eternity is using the Bifrost. And eternity is so powerful that any one thing that anybody wishes, like Thanos could have, instead of trying to gather the Infinity Stones, he could have just tried to just attack Asgard get the access to the Bifrost and use it. I mean, I mean, Thanos could have just done that, right? I, I have a hard time believing that nobody in the history of all the gods would have thought, oh, I'll just get the Bifrost and open it on up. Go, uh, go there to eternity because everybody knows about eternity. And so I cannot believe that none of them ever made to do it before. And the fact that only once will it ever work. The first person to find eternity gets that wish. Well, if nobody's ever found eternity, how do they even know that that thing's, I, I don't know. It, just a, another thing I think they could have written around a little better. All right. Parker writes, 
I really love this movie. Overall, the action and visuals adventure of these new Marvel movies is such a spectacle of imagination to escape our world. I mean, <clears throat> I'll agree with you to a degree on that, Parker. I think it is great spectacle. You know, Thor, the battle of the shadow monsters, the fight against the bird creatures, the ultimate battle in the shadow realm. I mean, these are great big spectacle. The, 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 the thought of these as guardian boats sailing across the universe and the galaxy, it is great spectacle. It is. All the other problems notwithstanding, that, that's pretty great spectacle, and that's probably why I had a good time with it. All right, next up. Square Buzz HQ writes, Felt they underused Valkyrie. They might have cut some of her earlier scenes. Love Ragnarok, uh, but this one was a bit too silly and made uh, Thor seem dumb. Again, I didn't think Thor seemed dumb at all. I think Thor comes across as aloof. Because when and whenever the situation required itself to get serious, he knew what to do. Right? He knew what to do. Whether it was <coughs> knowing how to get to the children, whether it was pleading the case for, for everyone at Omnipotent City in front of Zeus, um, whether and whenever there was, whenever it needed him, it needed him to not just be aloof. He was. So I, I never got that. I never got that they made him seem dumb at all. He just seems very aloof to me. All right. Uh, next up. Um, Dark Jedi Knight writes and sends in like a $20 super chat. Thank you, Dark Jedi Knight, for supporting us on that level. My mom fought stage 3A breast cancer, so this hits home hard for me. I love her struggle with trying to, to live life while fighting death. If you're strong enough to fight stage 3 or 4 cancer while trying to help people, you are worthy. I love that comment. And here's one of the interesting things. I've heard some people asking the question, was Jane worthy or did Jane only get the powers of Thor because Mjolnir took Thor's words of always look after her as an incantation? To me, the answer is both. I think Jane Foster was worthy. I mean, Thor kind of explains in this movie that she is the one who made him worthy in the first place. She is selfless. She is giving. She is all those things. So I think that made her worthy to wield Mjolnir. Like, she is the one who made Thor worthy. If you make Thor worthy, then you in and of yourself must be worthy. But I also think it has something to do with the incantation. I think Mjolnir called to her because of the incantation. Again, I don't know this. I'm just speculating like everybody else. But I think Mjolnir calling out to her wasn't about her being worthy. I think Mjolnir calling out to her was about the incantation that Thor probably didn't even realize he put on Mjolnir to always look out for her. And I think so. I think it was a little bit of both. At least that's my that's my guess at any rate. <clears throat> All right. Next up, Sam Fisher writes, this movie was Thor at his most uh, himbo. I'm not I, I'll be honest. I'm not quite sure what himbo means. Uh, that's a character who is big, hot, lovable, but also so dumb. Think Kronk from Emperor's New Groove. I get, see, on that I will disagree. I, I think you need to pay closer attention to the movie. Because whenever the need actually called for it, he always knew exactly what to do. All he had to do was to be in an area of space. And he's like, I know where that is. 
I know exactly what that is. Not only do I know what that is, I know how that whole thing works. It sucks color. It's, it's such a shadow realm that it sucks out color. It's, it does all this kind of stuff. Like when he, he knows about omnipotency, how to get there. Standing before Zeus, he knows exactly what to say. When the children need him, he knows exactly how to transport himself, at least projection-wise, to them. So again, I think a lot of people are misinterpreting the aloofness of Thor with being dumb because I think there are many times in this movie, pers- now I've got a lot of issues with this movie, but I don't think one of the issues that Thor comes across as dumb. I think he comes across as aloof, but again, whenever he needed to, he always knew exactly what to do. And, uh, and so that's why I disagree with that, that one sentiment at any rate. But I agree with a lot of the other ones, Sam. All right. Aunt Banks, 1984 writes, a kid coming out of the movie asks mom, what's an orgy? Yep. <laughs> yep. I remember... First of all, I thought that was hilarious. And now we will talk about the serious business. The location of the orgy. That's it. You are uninvited to the orgy. I laughed myself sick. Actually, ever since Anne and I saw the movie for the first time a few weeks ago, whenever like something comes up or I'm like, damn it, I can't find my phone. Anne will always say, she said this about 20, 20 times. Chill, baby cakes. Like she just says, like, like, oh, damn it. I forgot to turn the backyard light off. Chill, baby cakes. Honey, have you seen my wallet? Chill, baby cakes. That all that. But also, whenever Anne has done something that I remotely don't like, remotely don't like, like she puts on a show I don't want her to put on, I say, that's it. You are uninvited to the orgy. We've been saying that back and forth to each other all week. I actually thought it was really funny. All right. <coughs> um... Let's see here. Will Lambert writes, uh, who would you rather tell the story of your life? Korg or Luis? Luis, easy. I, again, I thought the, the narrative structure of Korg telling the, let me tell you the story of, at those different points throughout the movie that then climaxes with the last one telling the story of Love and Thunder. I thought that was a very effective little narrative tool. That being said, nothing holds a candle to Luis. Luis by a mile. All right. City of Swift writes, waiting for that mighty thor hot toy announcement oh oh yeah you know those are coming sidious you know those are coming all right alex tapia sends in a 20 dollars super chat thank you alex for supporting us on that level man all right <coughs> this movie disappointed and broke my heart like no other marvel movie before it terrible developed a uh, villain Oh, no, I disagree. I, th- I thought they did a great job setting up that villain, but that's just me. Uh, terrible developed villain, contradiction in tone. There was a bunch, bunch of that, no doubt. Uh, and so many other flaws. One of the laziest efforts in storytelling I've seen from Marvel slash Taika. I, I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I like you with my big laundry list of issues I had with the film. And, and there, there was a good laundry list of the problems I had with this film. I don't believe... It's, I'll, I'll tell you what's lazy. Fandom is becoming lazy. And whenever there's something they don't like, they just refer to it as lazy. It's like, no, no, no. Like with all the problems I had, none of it had anything to do with lazy. Like at all. Not at all. If anything, I agree with the previous commenter that in this movie, they took some pretty big swings. A lot of them didn't work. But they took some pretty big swings. And that is the antithesis of lazy, right? They never took the simple route. As a matter of fact, I might say 
there are a couple of times in this movie where taking the simpler route might have served the movie better. I, yeah, I'm thinking of a couple of instances where instead of doing something that was a little overly convoluted to achieve, you know, agenda A, I actually feel like they could have taken a simpler narrative route that maybe would have served the movie a little bit better, maybe made the flow feel a little bit better. At any rate, with all of my personal problems, Alex, that I had with the film, laziness had nothing to do with any of them, like at, at all. But here's a beautiful thing. The beautiful thing is that these stories all hit us in different ways. And while to me, this is not top shelf MCU, it's not even in the top four best comic book stuff of 2022 for me. Um, it's still a movie that worked and was entertained, but for you, it wasn't. And, and that's the beautiful thing about this, about the medium, man. These movies hit us all in different ways. And this one, unfortunately, hit you a lot more negatively than it hit me. So, yeah, um, hold a second. Let me just ban somebody out of the live chat. There we go. Um, so eh, it is what it is. Hey, man, but that's the thing. Like, there are some, there's some, like, I really didn't like, like Hawkeye. And I get a lot of people tell me, John, you're crazy. How could you not like Hawkeye? Well, I mean, I'm glad it worked for you. I'm, I'm super happy that it worked for you, but it did not work for me. And so with Thor, Love and Thunder, yeah, I got problems with it, but it worked for me, but it didn't work for you. And that's great. That's why we as fans get to get together and talk about this kind of stuff. So thanks for sharing your perspective on it, Alex. I really appreciate it. All right. Next up. Uh, Will Lambert writes, um, I love the score. And of course, it was composed by Michael Giacchino. He does everything these days. Did the score stand out to you? I'll be honest with you. No, no the score didn't stand out to me. And that's not a bad thing. Sometimes, like John Williams has talked about this. Sometimes you need a score that is memorable, that becomes identifiable with a scene. Like, say... <clears throat> the Imperial March or something like that, right? But John Williams has also said that a lot of times the job of the score is to be unnoticeable. The score helps give color and accent to a scene, but it's really doing its job if you don't particularly notice it. And for me, with Thor Love and Thunder, I musically, Thor Love and Thunder to me was way more about the soundtrack than it was about the score. And that's not to say Michael Giacchino didn't do a very good job scoring it. I'm just saying that a lot of times I didn't even notice it, which as John Williams would say, is exactly what it should do sometimes. So I had no issues with the score, but it didn't stand out to me more. The soundtrack stood out to me more with all the great Guns N' Roses stuff. Uh, okay. Uh, Johnny Weiner writes, I like this movie. Thor love triangle with hammers was weird, but okay. Uh, Gore was great, but felt like he's out of place in the MCU. I thought Jane was going to make it as a Thor. Who knows? Uh, kids power was dope. I, <coughs> I thought the kids getting the power was stupid. Once they had the power and the scene played out, I'm just like, okay, but this is pretty fun. Like, I, I do not like that just all of a sudden Thor can just take Zeus as a thunderbolt and all of a sudden knows how everything works and has the ability just to just to bestow temporary power. Like, come on. Come on. But once they did that, I, I quite got a kick out of the fight. I, I admit I really did. All right. Thanks for that, Johnny. Next up, uh, uh, Hoser Mies writes, does Jane get the cancer by the reality stone? 
I don't think so. That's never been said. Remember, they even show in the movie that her family has a history of cancer, right? So I don't think they said it had anything to do with the reality stone. At least they didn't bring it up. So whatever. Uh, Sam Fisher writes, uh, this was the first Marvel movie in a while where I had nothing spoiled for me. You know what? It's kind of nice. I wish it happened more often. You know, me and Amy were talking about this this week. <coughs> there really isn't anything to spoil. I mean, really, if you think about it, there's no, and this is a good thing to me. There was really nothing huge to spoil other than, say, the post credit scene, the fact that at the end, Gore decides to bring back his daughter instead of the, uh, instead of the end of the gods, choosing love over vengeance sort of thing, which is a really beautiful theme. Um, there wasn't a whole ton to spoil. We knew Jane was there. We know we go to the gods. Um, but yeah, the very fact that you had none of it spoiled for you, Sam, that is a positive thing. That's a good thing. All right. Uh, let's see here. Russell Amador writes, Jane Worthy, or was she able, I remember I was just talking about this, Jane Worthy, or was she able to wield due to the promise Thor made to Mjolnir to protect her? Then she masters her abilities quick. Gore deserved better, uh, should have been, should have had more time with the Great Bale. No, I'm going to a thousand percent disagree with you on that. Now, listen, I'm not saying that the movie couldn't have used a little bit more of Gore, but that again is the, the, the pattern of Thor movies. They focus on Thor. You do not, this is how you make bad movies. Oh, we have this great actor. Let's change our story to accommodate the actor. That's how you make bad movies. Story always comes first, right? You don't change your movie because you got a certain actor playing a certain role. That's how you, that's the way to folly. That's the way to destruction. I'm not, again, right from the beginning when they wrote the script, I think you could have had a little bit more of gore in there. Absolutely. But you don't change things up just because the actor's there. So on that, I'll completely disagree. But I was just talking about this, Russell, that I believe it is both. I believe she was able to wield Mjolnir because she is worthy. She is the one that made Thor worthy. Therefore, she herself is worthy. But I believe Mjolnir called to her because of the incantation. Again, I have not heard anybody in the making of the movie confirm that. I'm just saying that's the way I kind of speculate it, Russell. Thanks for sending that in, man. All right. Um, uh, A-Rod 2006 writes, As someone who is half Greek and long fascinated by Greek mythology, I'm so excited about Brett Goldstein playing Hercules in the MCU. I am also uh, very excited about that. <laughs> I'm very, very, very excited about that. I think that's going to be great. I, I really, I think, number one, there was just the fact that it was Hercules. Um, that would have been enough to make me gasp. But I am a big Ted Lasso fan. Um, and as a big Ted Lasso fan, I was very excited to see Emmy Award winning Brett Goldstein uh, in the role as well. So I think that's going to be great. All right. Uh, where are we at now? That was A-Rod. Next up, we got Mike's Movie Madness, who writes, uh, I enjoyed the movie, definitely leaned more into the silliness, but I'm a fan of Watiti, so it worked for me. But my theater was like Amy's, not many laughs. The mid-credit scene fell flat. The mid-credit scene fell flat um, because I feel like no one in my theater watches Ted Lasso. 
Also, did you feel like Taika overused the Korg narration? The first two times he used it worked, but that got tiresome by the by the by the final time. Again, I was telling you, another friend of mine was in a theater that really didn't have a big reaction. All three audiences I saw it with did have a big reaction. So that'll vary from theater to theater for sure, Mike. I gotta say, again, amongst all my laundry list of problems with this movie, Korg's narration was actually, I think, quite a good one. Which I think set up the whole thing with the end narration of Love and Thunder. I thought that was really sweet. And I, I think that ultimately made that work really well. Um, so, hey, I could see why it didn't work for you, though. I can totally see that. Yeah, but for me, that that kind of stuck it. That, that, that worked. I still prefer Luis over Korg any day. But yes, Mike, for me, that worked. Appreciate your thoughts, man. Thanks for sending that in, dude. All right. Josh Becker writes. Um, <clears throat> I've seen it twice and overall I like the movie there were some pacing issues my favorite parts were them in the shadow realm it was very ominous you know what I, I like the shadow realm fight I thought it was exciting I think my favorite stuff has to be in Onipotent City though because while some of the sillier stuff happens in Onipotent City like Bao the God of Dumplings I I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you even though I giggled and I laughed at that I do kind of wish that was taken out like it's it's just it's that one was just too far out there that said I also saw thought some of the funniest moments and some of the more deadly serious moments like as Thor is sitting there actually talking to Zeus like now he's not an overpowered dude right now he's actually talking to the pantheon of gods and he's laying out the true peril that the gods are in and he's talking about we have lost the gods have lost their way like it's it's a great moment for thor i think in that particular scene so i like the shadow realm stuff josh i'm with you on that but i i think for me my favorite is probably omnipotent city and i'm not gonna lie a lot of that has to do with zeus because i thought zeus was everything in this i i could watch an entire zeus disney plus series of just zeus talking to various underlings I'm not going to lie to you. I could probably watch that all day. All right. Thanks for writing that in, man. All right. Next up. Uh, Josh also writes, I hate when people complain about VFX on this movie. The artists are overworked and there wasn't enough time, but the MCU will get back on track. I'm going to tell you what. As somebody who worked in the visual effects industry, I'm not quite sure what the complaint about the visual effects is. Uh, the, the goats look great. The space travel looked beautiful. The shadow monsters look great. I, I listen, I, I'm just saying, I mean, everybody's entitled. Absolutely. Like sometimes visual effects or hit certain people in a way that it works for them and other people that it doesn't. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying myself, I, when I hear that particular complaint, like most complaints about this movie, I can go, yeah, I could see why you'd feel that way. The visual effects one I don't get. I, I honestly, I don't get that one, but eh, that's just me. Um, all right. Next up. Josh also writes, I wonder if we see the Korg's baby in the next Thor. Ooh, probably. I wouldn't mind seeing Dwayne with that stupid mustache. I don't know why. Dwayne with that Freddie Mercury mustache. I am not going to lie to you, Josh. That, that kind of cracked me up. Uh, then Josh just sent in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate all your contributions, man. All right. Last question that we're going to take before we take a short break here, guys, because uh, we've been going for an hour already. Uh, Cinema Reviews writes, one of two. Ragnarok was better, but I love this one too, and it cemented Taika as my favorite director. His balance between wacky fun and deep character work is... 
Uh, fantastic. I can't wait to see how he brings that into Star Wars. Also, Korg would make a really good therapist. He should consider that career. Hey, listen. That scene, when they're on the boat, and Korg is analyzing uh, Valkyrie and her emotional state, that was actually beautiful. And yeah, it does kind of seem like Korg should be a therapist because that was beautifully done. Um, I agree that this movie is below Thor Ragnarok. Um, and <coughs> I, I, I did not, I still think it was better than Thor the Dark World, but I did not love this movie. I liked it. I was entertained. I, I big smile on my face and a lot of points came out happy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I would like to see Taika as much as a lot of the silly humor did work for me, I think I would like to see Taika reel it in a little bit. You know, just reel it back a bit. Like somebody said earlier, it felt like it was 80% wacky, 20% serious. I think I would like to see the him balance that out a little bit more to like um, 60% wacky, 40% serious. 65% wacky, 35% serious. I think if he just brought it back, he would find a real sweet spot there for his particular sense of humor. But uh, I mean, he doesn't have to make it as serious as he made Jojo Rabbit. But I mean, I think if he just pulled it back a little bit, I think it would have been even more effective. But uh, that's just me. All right. I said that was the last one, but I'll do Ismail's before we before we go on break here, guys. Uh, Ismail Montoya writes, hey, John, I enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, it was definitely different than what I'm used to. Really joyful to watch. I won't lie. I almost fell asleep in the second act. You know what's funny? Here's how the great example of how it all hits us in different ways. Somebody wrote in a little bit earlier in the show that they thought the second act was masterful. Remember that? Somebody wrote in maybe about a half hour ago that the first act they thought was horrendously bad, but the second act was awesome. And here we have somebody saying the exact opposite, which is a great example that all this stuff hits us in different ways. So that's fine. All right, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, Ismail. Ismail Montoya writes, Roy Kent is in the MCU. Roy Kent. I, I love it again. I gasped with that. I cannot wait to see him in this. Uh, Jose Ramirez writes, damn, all gods are pissed now. Conchu was right. I mean, it's going to be interesting. You know, Rob brought up that up a couple times that how are they going to incorporate the Egyptian gods into this? I was, I mean, I didn't notice any of the Egyptian gods at Omnipotent City. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention. Uh, but I want to see how that all kind of works in. All right. <coughs> ben Burnside writes, Hey, John, I didn't like the Russell Crowe performance as much as you did, but enjoying his commanding voice at the credit scene towards Hercules, Thor versus Hercules is a city-destroying fight. Yeah, it very well could be. That's a Superman versus Zod city-state-country-destroying fight. I mean, I really hope they lean into that. I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I whatever story. I just want to see what story they come up with, right? Just come up with a great story for it, and I'll be happy. But yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it's kind of like Spider-Man: Far From Home, where it's not great when the best moment of your movie is the post-credit scene, like in Spider-Man: Far From Home even though Spider-Man Far From Home was good, um, I feel like the best moment of this movie was also the post-credit scene with the Hercules thing, right? Again, I like the movie, but the best moment was the credit scene. All right. 
Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> ben Burnside writes, Honestly, the Jane death felt like a bummer when it happened. What do you know about Valhalla in the comics? How do you think it will play into the MCU? I'm not sure that it will. I mean, I heard some people say that they thought the second end credit scene with Jane entering Valhalla was setting up that Valhalla is going to come into play in the MCU. I disagree. And I might be wrong. I, I'm like, again, I'm not certain of this. I wouldn't put money on this. <clears throat> But I kind of feel like Ty can put in that scene just to give Jane a happy ending, you know, because it was heartbreaking the way she died in Thor's arms with them saying, I love you to each other and all that kind of stuff. And then she dies. I don't think that that second post credit scene. And again, I'm not willing to put money on this. I could very well be wrong. I don't feel like super invested in this, but <clears throat> my initial impression is that it wasn't there to open up and introduce uh, Valhalla to the MCU, I felt like it was just them letting us have a happy ending for Jane. You know what I mean? But I mean, I could be wrong about that, Ben. We'll see. All right. Um, Casey Mack writes, I just got to say those goats really grew on me through the whole movie. At first, I found them annoying until they crashed into the shadow realm and let out a scream. I just cracked up at that point. I'll tell you what, the goats worked for me the entire movie. I, I mean, I know I was complaining about they did the love triangle with Mjolnir, Thor, and Stormbreaker a little bit too much. Like it, it, the joke worked, but they went back to it too many times. Now, you would then say, well, John, you, they went back to the goat joke all the time. I know they did, but it I laughed every time. <clears throat> every time those damn goats screamed, I laughed my ass off. I, I And yes, especially when they crashed into the planet. <laughs> Like, I, I laughed my ass off. I thought that was really good. All right. Um, next up, Casey Mack writes, Another thing is the axe was acting like a jealous ex. Thor trying to get the hammer to come back to him, and you see the axe showing up right beside him. There you are. I was just calling you. I, I know. It, again, like I said, I think they did it a few too many times, but in general, the gag made me howl. Like, if, if this cup is Stormbreaker, the very fact that he's like, oh, Mjolnir, Mjolnir, and all of a sudden. Like, I I died. I thought that was hilarious, even if they went back to it a few more times. All right, thanks for sending that in, Casey. Appreciate that, man. Uh, Casey also writes, one or two. One last thing I found interesting is that India Rose Hemsworth is actually the... Let me try this. Is that India Rose Hemsworth is actually the person that played love in Thor, Love and Thunder... Also, Hemsworth's twin son also played a role in the movie with one. Let me try that again. I found interesting is that India Rose Hemsworth. Oh, is that her name? India Rose Hemsworth is actually the person that played love. Oh, wait a minute. So is that Thor's daughter? Is Guys in the live chat. Was, was, was love? Was that actually Hemsworth's daughter? <clears throat> oh, my God. You guys are saying I had no idea. I had no idea. Thank you, everybody, for telling. I, I, I did not know. I had no clue that that was the case. Oh my God, she's adorable. Holy shit, that kid is adorable. Like absolutely adorable. 
And that scene between him and her at the end, I mean, well, now we know why it works so naturally, because they really are father and daughter. Holy shit. I had no idea. Anyway, Casey also writes, uh, playing young Thor in a flashback scene. So Thor's son, actually, Hemsworth's son, that's amazing. But so I'm just stuck on this. I had no clue. That is so cool to find out. It's one of the reasons I love doing these live shows with you guys. You you guys teach me a bunch of stuff, too. That's That's great. I had no idea. Oh, my God. That makes me appreciate it even more. My God. God, their genetics are so good because that kid is adorable. Oh, my goodness. Thanks for sharing that with me, guys, and teach me that. I had no idea. All right. Next up, Ryan Loner writes, twice now, Taika has been able to, to shove all the big franchise stuff in the first 10 minutes and then just have fun with his own thing in the rest. Yeah, he really does kind of do that, doesn't he? And I like that. You know what? The one thing I will say is this, and take this as a complaint more than a critique okay this is more of a personal complaint than it is a critique that's this the trailers the guardians of the galaxy are in a decent percentage of the trailers i'd say a good 10 to 15 percent of the trailers have guardians in them whether it's just Chris Pratt giving his little speech about looking into the eyes of the people that you love or blah, 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 right? Um, the Guardians are only in this movie for moments. I really thought going into the movie that the Guardians would be in the very first part and then leave. And then, then they would come back near the end to help Thor with a big fight. And that's why I'm saying this is a complaint, not a critique. Because it's not a critique, because it's perfectly fine that they told the story this way. But with the amount that the Guardians are in the trailers, I really did feel like we were going to get a little bit more of them. And it was a little misleading, I thought. It was a little bit misleading. But eh, well, like, that's why it's, it's a complaint. It's a personal complaint, not a critique. All right. Let's see. Fang Blaze writes, I really enjoyed this movie, but thought it could have been much better if it was a little longer and cut some of the more extreme and cringy jokes. I don't think the movie needed to be longer. I'll be straight up with you. I do not think the movie needed to be longer. Like a lot of my complaints with this movie, none of it had to do with the length. I thought the length was perfectly good. I just thought there were some course corrections that could have been made. Some things could have been omitted. Like I said, for the story, we didn't need more gore. For the story of this film, gore didn't need to be there more. Um, we didn't need more Guardians of the Galaxy, even though I felt like the trailers kind of promised more Guardians of the Galaxy. The story didn't need more Guardians. Of the Galaxy. You know what I'm saying? So, no, I, I don't think making the film longer would have improved the film at all. I feel like you do that. I think there maybe should have been some things that should have been slightly changed and the certain things that maybe could have been cut out. But uh, I don't think the length of it would have made it any better. But that's just my take on it, Fang Blaze. Thanks for giving your opinion on that, man. All right. Next up. Um, jokes writes. Like Doctor Strange, this movie had a convenient plot with the dumb eternity wish. Stop adding lazy MacGuffins to cover for the lack of story. I, I think you are misinterpreting. If you think eternity was the story, then you're missing it altogether. The story is what happens between the first frame of the film and the last frame of the film. The story is not the MacGuffin. Like, I already said that I felt like 
the eternity MacGuffin was not very strong, right? Like I said, like, you can't tell me that if all it takes to get to eternity and get this all-powerful wish, that all you need is a Bifrost, and all the gods know about it, that none of them over the span of eternity, no pun intended, all of them over the span of eternity never would have gone there and gotten it. That makes no sense to me. However, you're confusing an element for the story. The story is very clear. And the story of of gore and this movie <clears throat> is barely affected by that last 2% that is eternity at the end. Again, I think that I agree with you that I think that was a weak MacGuffin. But if you're confusing MacGuffin for the story, then you need to look into that a little bit more because those are two different things. All right, next up, Crashing Coyote writes, is Guy Ritchie's Hercules movie going to be with Brett Goldstein in the MCU? Uh, Russo brothers are attached as producers. Can't be a coincidence. I'm all for it. No, it's a completely different thing. The live action Hercules movie that Guy Ritchie is doing is very specifically a remake of the animated Hercules movie. Just like Aladdin, Guy Ritchie's Aladdin was a live action remake of the animated movie. The Guy Ritchie Hercules is a live action remake of the animated Hercules movie. Has nothing to do with the MCU, has nothing to do with any of that whatsoever. Uh, so yeah, not connected at all, Crashing Coyote. All right. Um, Crashing also writes, who is in a fight? Ryan versus Eleven versus Love. Um, definitely not Eleven. She's probably the weakest out of the three. I would guess probably Ryan, Homelander's son. My guess would be Ryan, but it, it depends. Like Ryan right now just knows how to shoot I-beams. He doesn't really know how to do anything else yet. So maybe Love. I mean, Love is already wielding Stormbreaker. You know what? Yeah, so I changed my answer. Right now, Love wins that fight. Right now. All right. Um, Anthony Fonseca writes. Um, where did I go? There it is. Anthony Fonseca writes. I liked it, not loved. Uh, Thel Gore did not do much butchering on screen. Yeah, I would. Like, he killed the one god at the beginning, right? <clears throat> I even think for the narrative, I know I just finished saying we didn't need, the story didn't need more gore um, to make the story any better. And I stand by that. But that being said, I might have to give a little caveat on that, that for us as the audience, to really get the anger and to really empathize with the, the savagery of Gore. It may have been beneficial to see him like with the first God that he kills, that was more lucky, right? That he's being choked out by the God. And then the Necrosaur just flew into his hand. So he stabbed him. All right. I think it could have been beneficial to have one more scene for us as the audience to get a better picture of the anger rage bitterness of gore and the power of gore if we had seen one more scene of him being a god butcher he's called the god butcher but we only saw him butcher one god we only saw him kill one god and that was really more of a fluke so yeah i'll side with you on that i think one more scene of him killing another god i think one more scene probably would have been beneficial i think i think that's a good observation all right uh, Mark Vell Blah writes, Korg's partner's name, Dwayne, The Rock, very LOL. I don't know, might have, if they hadn't put the, the Freddie Mercury mustache on him, I might have thought they meant Dwayne, but Dwayne, 
I don't know, man. I just look at that guy and he just seems like a Dwayne. I don't know if it was a Dwayne The Rock Johnson reference. All right, Jonathan Castillo writes, I feel like Jane dying and going to Valhalla is setting up Thor dying, possibly to be with her after all, if they do decide not to continue his story. Um, no, I disagree. And here's why I disagree. Because if you want Thor to go to Valhalla, you didn't need Jane dying to set that up. Valhalla is already a very well-established thing. We, we know there's in, in the Norse mythology, we know what Valhalla is. And so if you want ultimately Thor to go there, <clears throat> you don't need a setup for that. Uh, I feel like that's something we already kind of know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I, I personally felt it was just to give Jane her happy ending. I think it was just to give Jane her happy ending. And if anything else, I think Thor is going to fall in love again. Because remember, you know, Jane, one of the last things Jane says to him is keep your heart open. And a lot of people think I was just talking about the little girl. And I don't think it was. I think we're going to see Thor fall in love again. Um, so I don't know. That, that's just pure speculation on my part, though, Jonathan. Thanks for writing that in, man. Uh, Mark Vell writes, shout out to my daughters, Tia and Sierra. Well, thank that's really nice of you to do, especially talking about a movie like Thor Love and Thunder. That's great, Mark. Uh, Mark Vell. All right. Mark Vell also writes, Hurricane Namor like Wanda from foe to Avenger. <clears throat> I don't know. Wanda's character arc, I think, has been brilliant. From how they discovered her, she becomes an Avenger, falls back to being a villain. I loved that arc. I really, really did. Could they do that with Hercules here? Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know for sure. But that's an interesting thought. All right. Everything Entertainment Network writes. When it was first announced, I remember Tessa saying Valkyrie's arc was going to be the king finding her queen. And I'm sad that that didn't happen. Yeah, I remember her saying something like that. I remember that. I'm okay that it didn't happen again because the, the story didn't need it. It would have just been extra fluff added into the movie unnecessarily. And I kind of like the fact that Thor was kind of very lean at about two hours. But I mean, that would have been an interesting thing for them to do as well. All right, next up. Uh, Sidereth Serum writes, uh, one of two. Thor 4 felt like a simple skit put together over a week. A better end would have been Gore coming to his senses, dying from the Necrosword corruption, but having already dealt a killing blow to Thor. I don't know how you think that's a better ending. Um, let's see. Trying to find part two. And there is no part two. Okay. Um, I disagree. I don't think that makes for a better ending. I think it is the better ending that ultimately, because why would he have come? To, what do you mean come to his senses? What does that mean? Like the way they ended it with ultimately what you can really see as being the theme is choosing love over hate, right? Choosing love over vengeance. And throughout the course of the film, as Gore is exposed to Thor being everything he didn't think gods were, brave, other-centered, heroic, loving, choosing love, being good all the things that gore did not think the gods were capable of being but seeing thor being all those things and then even ultimately saying whatever you won gore 
So I'm going to spend my last moments with the woman I love. Instead of sitting here trying to spat with you, I'm going to go over there. And then they offer him the opportunity, like, look, you can choose love here. You can bring back your daughter. And again, if Gore hadn't seen Thor being everything that he is, then when Gore says, my daughter would be alone, and I sure as hell don't want you looking after her, but because Gore saw the heart of Thor, the courage of Thor, the nobility of Thor throughout the film, that this notion that I could use this to choose love, bring my daughter back, and entrust my daughter to that God who I have hated gods. I, I got to tell you, I don't think him just going, you know what? I'm not going to kill all the gods. Oops, I've already killed Thor. I don't know that that's a better ending. I mean, maybe it could be depending on how they write it. But I honestly kind of think the way they ended the film, despite all the other flaws in the movie, I thought the ending was quite beautiful, to be honest with you. I, I, I really like that, the way they did it. So I don't know, but maybe I'll have a different impression of it, you know, next week. Maybe maybe if I do watch it again, maybe I'll change my perception of that, et cetera. Thanks for writing that in, man. Um, let's see. Danny Sanchez writes, the amount of times I rolled my eyes in two hours. Hey, man, I get it. If the, if the silly, because I warned you guys weeks ago. This movie really leans into the silly and that is not going to be for everyone. It absolutely won't be. And clearly it wasn't for you, Danny. All right. Murray Reich writes, overall, I enjoyed it. I wanted a little more Guardians, though. Uh, I liked Bale's performance as Gore, but overall, not my top tier villains, in my opinion. I agree with all that. I, I just thought the trailers promised more Guardians. I mean, at the end of the day, the movie didn't need more Guardians. That's why it's not a critique. But I feel like the trailers promised more Guardians. And, uh, and, and Gore at the end of the day, like most uh, Thor villains, they're not the focus of the story. Thor is always the focus of the story in Thor movies. And so I agree, not one of the top tier, uh, at least not the way they portrayed him, not one of the top tier Thor, uh, MCU villains at this point. All right. Uh, Sam Fisher writes, I love the portrayal of Zeus in this because that's who he is in the myth. Someone who thinks with his genitals before his head and Fs anything that he can again, I, it's another one of those things where you got to understand that they really lean into the silliness and if the silliness doesn't work for you, then this isn't going to work for you. And that's perfectly cool. But for me, it did. And the, I loved the Zeus stuff. I loved Russell Crowe in this. You are uninvited to the orgy. I, I, I mean, I just chill baby cakes. I loved him in this. I could have watched an whole hour of it. I really, really could. And you're right. The, the reason a lot of the drama happens in Greek mythology is because Zeus can't keep it in his pants. So you're right. There was actually something quite mythologically accurate about the way they kind of did Zeus, Sam. All right. Remember Bulldog writes, uh, love Thor, love and thunder. My favorite comic movie so far. Hey, man, it didn't work for me that well. But if it worked for you that well, that is awesome. I love that you loved it. That is the ultimate thing for you as a fan. If you go in and watch a movie and it hits you in that way, that's your favorite comic book movie. Awesome. I don't personally agree, and that's okay. The fact is, it is for you, and that's the important thing. All right, thanks for sharing your thoughts, Rummer. <laughs> so you're next up. Glenn Minor writes, So why didn't Thor just transfer his power to the entire Wakandan army in Infinity War? Enjoyed the movie, but giving kids powers bothered me logically. It did for me, too. 
It really did. And again, I, I kind of put that aside because I did love the scene. Like the, the kids battling the shadow monsters, I got a huge kick at it. I thought it was fun. I thought I was seeing these kids the, going into Norwegian berserker mode. Loved it. Absolutely. But again, like I said earlier, that was one of my big sticking points in the movie. It's like, okay. Um, huh. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Thor can just bestow power on anybody. Okay. Um, yeah. Again, I like the scene. I did, but the logic in getting there creates a lot of problems. So I don't know. Um, now, I just see just plain Steve is saying because they were as guardian children. No, not all of them were. That's the problem, Steve. You can't just say it's because they're as guardian children. No, because they pointed out a lot of the children there were not as guardian. And they all got power too. So that explanation doesn't hold water. That's the thing. That's that's the thing. And then I, I'm reading some people say, like Mr. Downside saying they were as guardians. They were not all as guardians. So that doesn't work. And he used Thur Zeus, uh, Zeus's thunderbolt to do it. Since when can Zeus's thunderbolt do that? And how would Thor even know to do that? He's never wielded Zeus's thunderbolt before. He just he just whispered an incantation to it. It makes no sense. No sense. Now I like this movie. I do. You, I've, I've been saying. I, I mean, I don't think it's one of their better Marvel movies, but I like this movie. It's entertaining. But you can't just gloss over these pretty significant question marks about some of the some of the decisions they did with some of the decisions they did um especially with the, the, the way they set up in this movie that all of a sudden thor could just whisper this incantation and then all of a sudden these children have power made no sense makes no sense to me all right uh let's see here and i love zeus in this thing i really did all right um hv3 writes I didn't catch it on my first viewing, but I love that Daryl, Thor's roommate, is in the movie. I didn't catch it on my first viewing either. I didn't notice it till my second viewing. It's like, wait a minute. That's Daryl from the Thor shorts on YouTube. Thor's roommate, Daryl, is in this movie helping out King Valkyrie. As King Valkyrie is, is walking through the, 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 the crowd of people, she's, Daryl, get me this. And it's actually Daryl from the Thor short stuff. I couldn't believe I didn't notice that the first time I watched it, but it was awesome. I love that. All right, next up, we got uh, MF Flash 100 writes. Um, why does Bale not get mentioned when people talk about best actors working today? I feel like he's never in anyone's top five or ten. Um, I definitely, when I hear those conversations, I definitely hear Bale's name pop up once in a while. I do. I don't know if he's top five for me, but I would say he's in the top 10. Academy Award winner, multiple Academy nominated, um, incredibly diverse, has a wide range. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know that I'd say he's top five, but I would put him in the top 10. And, and I, I will I will often hear his name come up in those conversations. So that, that's just the conversations I've heard, uh, Emma. I, so I don't know about you, though. All right. Sam Fisher writes. Was that tour guide Thor's roommate from that uh, Team Thor uh, Civil War short? That's an amazing Easter egg. Again, like I said, it's Daryl. It is Daryl. He's, he's there working with Valkyrie. Uh, let's see. Moda Awesome writes, um, 
Loved this movie. It was a breath of fresh air and very entertaining. The jokes worked for me, and that scene where Jane died had me in tears. Uh, Nicole was right. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Listen, I'll tell you what. The theater I was in, when Jane died, you could hear the tears in the theater. You could hear the sniffling. You could you could hear in the theater. There was a lot of emotions going on in the theater when that happened. That tells me you've directed that scene right. Uh, and it was. Again, I, I, I wish it had been better. I, I wish Taika would have scaled it from that 80% silly, 20% serious down to like 60% silly, 40% serious. I think that would have made the movie better. But at the end of the day, I didn't like it as much as you, Moto Awesome, clearly. And that's cool. But I did enjoy it. I, I, I would be lying if I didn't say I laughed a lot. I had a smile on my face a lot of time through the movie. And when I came out, I thought that was a pretty positive experience for me. So that's all I can ask for. But I'm glad you liked it as much as you did, man. You liked it a little bit more than me, but I'm glad you liked it that much, dude. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. All right. Uh, Cap Avenger 93 writes, did you notice that when Gore, before coming out of the shadows, you see more of a demon monster-like appearance on his face. I love the little details. Yeah, they did that kind of uh, take on him a couple times throughout the movie. Again, I just thought he looked horrifying. I thought he looked absolutely horrifying. Especially when he was like whispering to, to Thor, like, call the axe. Like, that was a very... Uh, and you guys know that I had seen... Thor, like, I had been given clips of gore months ago. And we told you guys, we saw, we we had a clip sent to us and obviously we couldn't share it, but I said it was totally horrifying. That was it. When he's like, call the axe. I'm like, out of context with everything else in the movie. And that's the, that's the first thing I saw of Gore. Like, oh my God, he's horrifying. And he was absolutely horrifying. Particularly when I saw it months ago, it was like, oh my God, like that, that was really quite well done. All right. Tacky 75 writes, I'm Greek. No way Zeus accent was a Greek one. It was a mixture. There was a little, I, I definitely noticed a little Italian in there, a little Greek in there, um, a little something else in there. But whatever, the way they chose to have Zeus speak was amazing. I loved his speaking voice. Whether it was accurately Greek or Italian or what, it, it, that, that didn't matter to me. I just love the way he sounded. I thought he sounded great. Um, Gilbert Garcia said there's a little bit of Irish in there too. I agree. I think there was a little bit of Greek, a little Italian, a little Irish was in there too. It was a, it was a mix of stuff for sure. All right. Jose Riaz writes, I like the movie, but it really felt like a parody slash cartoon most of the time. I'm really getting tired of Marvel forcing comedy into their product. I... Uh, listen, Jose, I got to disagree. People love to laugh. I mean, I think the reason why four out of every five audience members going to see this movie are liking it is because of the humor. Like as of right now, it's got an 81% audience rating. And I think the reason that audience rating, and I thought, you know, I said this at the beginning, I, when I came out of it the first time, I thought the audience rating would be a little bit lower because that silliness I didn't think would appeal to as many people. But I think the reason it has that 81 is, and one of the reasons why that Marvel movies are so infinitely more successful than anybody else or anything else is be partially because of the humor. 
It's it's because of the humor. People, audiences love to laugh. And when you can incorporate laughs with excitement and mythology and all that kind of stuff, you get a winning combination. Now, sometimes the laughs don't work. Sometimes the humor you go for doesn't work. Like I said, this movie leans a lot into the silly, and that means for some people it's not going to work as well. But it's like going to watch a, you know, a Will Ferrell sing. Say, why do they keep forcing humor in this? Well, humor is a big aspect of what it is. Uh, comic book movies, I mean, particularly Marvel films, have always had that element of humor, and it's why they are the biggest movies in the world. Without the humor in the Marvel films, they are not the biggest films in the world. I, I say that very confidently. If you don't have Marvel's humor in the Marvel movies, then they are not the biggest films in the world. Because comedy and making an audience laugh is a real important thing for the general movie going audience. It really is. Now, you may not have liked the particular humor in this movie, and I get that because like, yeah, it really leans sillier. I understand. No complaints from me and no argument from me. But you can't let that blind you from the reality that a lot of the movie going on, it's loves it and it makes those movies entertaining for them. And you just kind of got to accept that. That's a part of the reality of this. Anyway, thanks for sharing your thoughts, on man, and giving me your perspective. All right. Uh, let's see here. Al Rensha writes, Gore was really done dirty. He is called the God Butcher, but we barely saw any of it. I still liked him, but it was very disappointing to me. I, again, I like the character. I think it was done well, but I concur that I do think one more scene of being a God Butcher, other than that first scene when it was kind of a lucky thing that the Necrosword came to him so he could just stab him. I think one more scene to let us truly feel the rage that God, that Gore feels towards the gods and the savagery in which he can dispatch the gods and let us as the audience experience that. I think that would have upped the sense of dread whenever Gore was on screen. Because remember, when we see Gore fight Thor in New Asgard and we see Gore fight mighty Thor and Thor and Valkyrie in the shadow realm. The only thing we've ever seen Gore do was go eh, to that sun God at the beginning of the movie. That's it. We hadn't felt what he could do yet. And, and that's why I agree. I think we needed one more scene of Gore being a God butcher to have upped the sense of dread when the other fights were going on later. Hey, that's just a thought of mine, Al. Thanks for sharing yours, man. All right. Al Rensha writes, could Zeus and the Greek gods be the next big bad? I think it's really going to be Hercules. I think, you know, other gods could play a part, but I think ultimately what they really just set up is that the next one is going to be Thor versus Hercules. Maybe. We've seen some of these post-credit scenes not really go anywhere and maybe this won't go anywhere but i think the next one is just going to really be hercules and thor that's my guess at any rate al also writes now that we have gotten eternity and thor pulling off uh, a shazam family move with the kids could we get rune king thor uh beyonder living tribute tri tribunal etc 
I don't know about any of that stuff. I think they're already starting to go a little bit too far. I already think in this movie, they made Thor a little bit overpowered. So Rune King Gore, I think like Rune King Thor, I think that's going a little bit too far. Um, so I don't think so. I don't think there's a need for it anyway. And I already think they're leaning a little bit too much into that stuff. All right. Uh, Clapius writes, I thought they missed an opportunity for Russell Crowe to say, are you not entertained? That kind of would have been funny when he was showing off Thunderbolts as Thor was tied down or even during his grand entrance. You know what? Normally, I would have said, nah, man. I mean, you can't have Russell Crowe pulling out a gladiator line. That's way too silly. Way too out of step with with the movie. No. But in this movie where you have Bao, the god of dumplings, tell you what, Clapius, I'm going to agree with you. I think that was probably a missed opportunity. I think after he does the whole spinning twirling with the with the thunderbolt to go, are you not entertained? I think that would have been (coughs) in this movie and only this movie. I think that would have worked pretty well. All right. Next up, Sam Fisher writes. I love at the end, Thor has Mjolnir and the girl has Stormbreaker. Such a great parallel to Endgame when he tells Steve, you get the little one. Yeah, I was thinking about that a little bit. I kind of think he should have been holding Stormbreaker and she should have been holding Mjolnir. But maybe she's not worthy yet, right? Just because you're related, well, she's not even related to Thor. I mean, just because she's, it doesn't mean she's worthy. So... You know what? I would have thought it would have been a more appropriate if he was wielding Stormbreaker being the bigger, larger weapon. But there was nothing in the movie. Because remember, being worthy is not just anybody who's good, right? Even none of the Avengers could lift Mjolnir, obviously, except for Cap. But Cap is Cap. So my guess is she was wielding Stormbreaker because she probably couldn't wield Mjolnir yet. That's just a guess. That's just a guess. All right. <clears throat> Next up. 90 Daimu uh, writes, uh, where are we at? There it is. The best moment, Sif cannot go to Valhalla because she didn't die on a battle. Then Jane going there as she died in battle with cancer, heart touching. I, I'm going to disagree with Thor. If Jane had sustained these injuries on the battlefield and then died on the battlefield as a result of those injuries, I don't think Thor's interpretation was correct. I think Jane would have gone to Valhalla. By the way, Odin went to Valhalla and he did not die in battle. I think he just died of old age. Mm. But again, to me, if you want to get geeky about it, Jane was in battle or uh, Lady Sif was in battle. She sustained mortal injuries in battle. And then while lying there on the battlefield with her mortal wounds, she died. I think she goes to Valhalla. That's just my, that's just my guess though. That's just my guess. Um, Let's see. What's next here? We've got just plain Steve writes. At first, I didn't like Thor with Mjolnir again since Stormbreaker had grown on me until I realized if Thor has Mjolnir again, that frees up Stormbreaker to be given to a certain horse face character. I mean, listen, I'll tell you what, Steve. I was really expecting Beta Ray Bill. 
not in the movie, but in at least in the post credit scene. I really thought we were going to get a Beta Ray Bill. I really did. I, I, I'm cool that they didn't. And I it didn't take anything away. Pardon me. It didn't take anything away from it. Um, but I, I was kind of expecting a beta ray bill. I really was. Um, by the way, uh, some people are writing in the live chat, like Mr. Downstone saying, well, John, we don't know where Odin went. That is still open. Not really. It's not really open because when Thor was holding Jane, you knew she was going to Valhalla because she evaporated into the gold dust, right? And that in this movie is what happens when you are going to be heading off to Valhalla. And that's exactly the way that Odin went as well. Um, Odin, when Odin died, that's the exact same thing that happened that Jane and Jane ended up in Valhalla. So I, I think the movie was pretty clear about that. Uh, that's just my interpretation of it, though. I could be wrong. Uh, let's see. Uh, thanks for writing that in just plain Steve. Uh, Guillermo Angulo writes. Hey, John, longtime viewer, first time tipping on this show. Well, thank you so much, Guillermo. I appreciate that very much. Um, I really enjoyed Love and Thunder. Didn't love it as much as Ragnarok, but still enjoyed it. The goats were the MVPs. I keep saying, listen, I, I know a lot of people complaining about the goats. I don't give a shit. I thought the goats were hilarious. I thought they were awesome. Loved them. Absolutely did. For me, personally, um, <coughs> Now, I obviously like Ragnarok more than Love and Thunder. I don't think Thor Love and Thunder is all that close, to be honest with you. Like, I, I think Thor Ragnarok is here. Love and Thunder is here. It's not like Thor Ragnarok is here. Thor Love and Thunder is here. To me, it's a it's a it's a it's a decent drop. Still good. Still entertaining. But yeah, not quite as close. Anyway, Guillermo, thank you for writing in. Thank you for being a viewer for so long, man. We appreciate that, dude. All right. We move on now to Andy. And Andy writes one of two. Gore, I have a new purpose now for when I'm needed, but when a god hits the ground, it's not just a kill, it's a warning to them. The ne the necrosword uh, is a tool. They think I'm hiding in the shadow, but I am the shadows. Is that actually dialogue from the... I can't remember. It's been a while since I've read uh, the Gore storyline. I can't remember if that's directly in line from it, but obviously the necrosword is different in the MCU than it was in the comic books, like significantly different, but still all that. Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Andy. Next up, South Texas Shark writes. So Thor is an uncle now. Can't wait to see more of it. I agree. I want to see more of that little girl. And I never even knew that was actually Chris Hemsworth's daughter. I had no idea. And I'm super excited to see more of it there. Um, let's see. Andy writes. I wanted to. I thought Zeus was stupid as fuck. He chose hercules when he could have sent his other son superman instead ah a russell crowe thing also funny how in man of steel he tells his son to be a symbol of hope in the sky for people to strive towards while in thor love and thunder he tells his son to take away their hope and ideals from the sky oh that's actually i don't know that taika did that on purpose sandy but That's a really good observation. That's a really good observation. That in the one, as the father is telling Kal-El, be the symbol of hope as they look to the skies. But in that other one, he's actually doing the antithesis of that. 
That's actually, I didn't even think about that. That's really cool. I, I doubt that Taika did that on purpose, but I love the fact that you noticed that and that you pointed that out. Well said, man. All right. Andy also writes, want to know how much I dislike the army of children fighting in the last act? I felt like something Riverdale would actually do and they would. Listen, I have an issue with the children getting powers. I had a big issue with that. But even though that's the case, I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you I was laughing and smiling a lot during the actual battle. I got a big kick out of it. Like these little children, like berserkers, like blood raged berserkers. I, I actually did get a kick out of it, even though I take issue with how they got their powers. All right. South Texas Shark writes, I really like Korg. That Korg's friend name is Dwayne. I, again, I don't know why. I look at that face and I just see Dwayne. I don't know why, but I agree with this, South Texas. South Texas also writes, me watching Korg die. Oh, hell no. Kill that effer. Oh, about, yeah. I mean, I actually thought, again, Marvel fake death universe. But when Zeus hit him with that lightning bolt, sorry, Thunderbolt. When Zeus hit him with the Thunderbolt, I, I really thought they were killing Korg. And you know what? <clears throat> For the drama of the movie, maybe they should have killed Korg. I mean, I like Korg. I like Korg very much. I love the Dwayne scene at the end. But again, Marvel fake death universe. Make the audience think somebody died. They didn't. Um, I'm surprised they actually sent Jane to Valhalla. Because <laughs> I, th I, I thought for sure any second she's going to pop back up in a post-credit scene, but like back on Earth. Like, I thought in the second post-credit scene, that gold dust that she turned into, it'll be back on Earth with her best friend. I can't remember the name of the girl with the glasses. And the girl with the glasses is just sitting there in a lab doing some, trying to work on Jane's work. And all of a sudden, through the window, the gold dust comes into the window and re-merges into Jane. Like, I honestly thought, that's how bad Marvel is with their fake death universe stuff. Um, I really thought they were going to do that. But hey, they actually had Jane die. So I will give them that one. I'll give them that one. All right. <laughs> uh, Dennis Caesar writes. <coughs> Pardon me, guys. I like the film, but I didn't love it. Frustrated uh, by it because I think it had the potential to be top tier MCU if it allowed the dramatic moments to sit with us a bit longer and gave more scenes to gore. Here's the thing. I, I disagree. Um, I don't disagree that the movie could have been better. Just throwing more runtime at it wouldn't have made it better. I, I, I completely disagree with that. I don't think just throw. It's like if you have a problem, just throwing money at the problem doesn't fix it. Just throwing more runtime at this movie wouldn't have done anything for the movie. I'm not even sure that leaning more into the serious aspects would have improved it that much. Like I said earlier, if they had moved from the 80% silly and 20% serious to more like 65% silly and 35% serious, I think that would have been an improvement. And it would have. I think it would have been an improvement. But I don't think it fundamentally changes the nature of the movie. You know what I mean? So, yes, I think Love and Thunder coming off of Ragnarok, which is magnificent, I think it had the potential to be one of the best MCU movies, like maybe top six, top seven MCU movies. But I disagree with the notion that just throwing more runtime on it or cutting out some of the silly jokes would have made that vast of a difference. You know what I mean? And I don't think just throwing more again. I think Gore needed one more scene. That would have helped a bit. 
But I, let me put it this way. While I think moving it from 80% silly to like 65% silly, I think that could have moved it from like the 16th or 15th best MCU movie to maybe the 13th or 12th best MCU movie. I don't think making those couple of small changes would have made it a 16th or 15th best movie to a fifth or sixth best movie. You know what I'm saying? But that's, I mean, I don't know. We'll never know. That's the thing. We'll never know. So maybe you're right, Dennis, and maybe I'm wrong. But I mean, that's just kind of how I see it right now. All right. Next up. Uh, Christina B writes, Thor 4 has many good qualities, but feels imbalanced. What if Korg was first to set up tone, then Gore's later scene to build up the drama? <coughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if the order of the film really done much, Christine. I mean, like, personally, I love the way the movie opened. I love the fact that this movie just straight up opens with Gore. I mean, how, I mean, your heart breaks, right? As he's walking across this caked dry earth with no sign of life or water or anything everywhere holding his dying daughter i mean i i thought it was a good way to open the movie there are certainly things that could have improved it but i i don't know if you know starting with a little sillier and then getting more dramatic i i, I don't know if the order of things would have changed it much but it's a thought it's a thought christina thanks for sharing it all right next up Christina also writes, soundtrack and love triangle with Thor, Stonebreaker, and Mew Mew were my favorite parts of the movie. Both Bale and Crow's accents were awesome. Yeah, I love their accents. The soundtrack was incredible. I'm not the biggest Guns N' Roses fan in the world, but oh my God. The the Guns N' Roses, especially with the kid fight. Again, I have big problems with how they gave the kids powers. I don't think that made any sense whatsoever. But the fight itself to me was fun. But I'll tell you what really um made it was when they start using that uh Guns N' Roses song uh the like using that part and then as the battles actually begins like I'm like oh my god this is awesome like the right song in the right scene can really elevate a scene and again while i have big issues with how they gave the kids powers that i think was just kind of dumb um the actual scene and then that choice of song and music right there um oh my god no that was so good and you're right some people writing in that's that's the midriff in uh november rain and i love the fact they didn't play november rain right from the beginning but rather from that part with a like, like this is that part of the music in their right song that was perfectly placed, a perfectly placed piece of music for me. All right. Uh, next up, Joe writes, I think this film balanced uh, humor and emotion better than Ragnarok. Mm, I disagree with that, but I'm glad you felt that way. Uh, Gore's origin, Jane's cancer confession, Jane's death, Gore's wish all handled well. Sans jokes. Ragnarok. Uh, has Asgard explode and joke. Yeah, but it was a funny joke. I mean, I love that part of Ragnarok. Again, personally, Joe, 
And you and I, this just hit you and I different ways. Your opinion on this is no less valid than mine, but I do feel a little different than you. I really do think the balance of the silly and the heavy in Ragnarok was much better than it was here in Love and Thunder. Again, the movie works for me. I found the humor funny, but I felt it was a little bit more disproportional than it was in Thor Ragnarok. But that's just my take on it. You felt differently, and I respect that, man. Thanks for sharing your opinion on it. I appreciate it. All right. Next up, um, A.V. Cali writes, after seeing Thor 4, I'm convinced Marvel does not know what to do post-Infinity War saga. I can only contemplate at their monumental success in the 23 cumulative films that led to Endgame. No, I disagree with that 100%. Look, not all movies have to be connected to the overall story arc of the shared cinematic universe. Thor was a very isolated, it's like picking up an issue of a comic book and just reading a single shot story. I love it. A couple of the better comic book movies the last number of years have been just that. The Joker movie, the Batman movie. Right? I have no problem with that. Shang-Chi was very much isolated. I think it's one of the best comic book movies in years. I love that movie. But I don't think any of that says, it just shows us that Disney, Marvel doesn't know which way they're going. I disagree. I completely disagree. I think you have to, if all you've got is whatever your big shared cinematic universe is, you're in trouble. You've got to be able to tell, I just make each individual movie a good, enjoyable movie. Now, sometimes they succeed. And sometimes, whether it's a movie or a TV show like Hawkeye, they fail. And I know some of you like Hawkeye. And that's great. I'm not bashing on you or anybody else. I'm just saying for me personally, Hawkeye was a loss. Hawkeye was a failure. I didn't like that show. But so sometimes you do it well, sometimes you won't. But I, I don't think like one of the critiques that I do not have for Thor is that it didn't do anything to further the overall MCU. Well, fuck the overall MCU. They, let everything else deal with that. I'd go into a movie theater to have a good time with this movie. I don't give a shit whether or not it gives big commentary or advances the larger story of the larger cinematic universe. I don't give a shit. I go into a movie to enjoy that movie. And if you can do all those other things too, awesome. But it's not necessary. And I don't think every movie should just be another piece of the puzzle of the overall, of some overarching story. That's just not how I feel about it. Now, other people do. And I respect that. That's fine. That's for you. That works for you. Great. But it's not me. Um, because this, you know, somebody wrote into the John Campus show the other day and asked, this is before the movie came out. And they said, how, you know, does this movie do a good job furthering the overall MCU? And I'm like, absolutely not. It absolutely doesn't. Um, does not further the overall MCU. And to me, that's perfectly fine. I go into a movie wanting to see a good movie. And for me, Thor Love and Thunder delivered that. Not a great movie, but it delivered a good movie for me. So anyway, that's just it for me, Avi. You saw it one way. I respect that. I see it a little bit differently. All right. Uh, next up. Timothy Garrett, Fallum writes. Uh, Love and Thunder was a good time. I thought Christian Bale as Gore was the best villain performance in a superhero movie since Heath Ledger's Joker. I don't agree, but I respect that. I mean, again, I thought his performance was very, very good. I just don't think the character was given enough to do to elevate it that much. I thought they used the character the way they needed to use the character for their story. 
even though he should have had one more scene killing another god. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was very good. I wouldn't say it's the best villain performance. Like, I, I, I mean, I think several villains have been better uh, because they were just given more to do. But like Heath Ledger's Joker was given a lot to do. I mean, you could argue that that Batman movie was really more Joker's movie, uh, but he was given a lot to do. Killmonger was given more to do in Black Panther. Thanos was obviously given more to do. So I, I would disagree, but not because I didn't think Christian Bale didn't give a great performance, Timothy, but rather because I just don't think the character was given enough to do in the story. And that's fine. The, the, the villains are there to serve the story. And if your story needs a bigger villain presence, great. If your story doesn't require that big of a villain presence, that's great too. But, uh, but yeah, I did certainly feel like Christian Bale was quite good in it though. All right. Last question that we're going to take before we t- we're at two hours now. We're at the two hour mark. So this will be the last question we take and then we're going to take another three to four minute break. Uh, Craig Hurst writes, where do you see Marvel taking the love character? No idea. I'll be honest with you. <coughs> I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see her again. I'm not saying we're not going to see her again. I'm simply saying I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't. Like, we may find out that Thor takes her, but the next Thor movie, he's off on an adventure and, you know, um, Aunt Valkyrie is looking after her. I mean, I, I just, I honestly don't know. Some people have theories about Young Avengers and all that kind of stuff. Right now, honestly, I have no idea. And it's okay. I don't need to have a theory yet. Where is that? We left off with Craig. So we're going to pick things up here with Spencer Smothers, who writes, my favorite detail is the Cronin God, Korg's God, uh, is sitting on an iron throne made out of scissors because, you know, rock, rock beats scissors. You know what? That probably was exactly what they were going for. And I didn't even think about it. I never even thought about that. I just thought of it was a play on Game of Thrones. Oh, he's on scissors. It's silly. But you're right. Rock beats scissors. I didn't even think about that, Spencer. I'm glad you pointed that out. All right. Milo writes, I don't feel that the jokes ruined any of the dramatic scenes. When a scene needed to be serious, I think they committed to that. I agree. I Listen, the silly jokes may not work for you. Perfectly understandable. Got, I got no argument with that. If, if that, that kind of humor doesn't quite hit you, perfectly understandable but i disagree vehemently with people saying jokes ruined the dramatic scenes i show me how no they didn't at least i i don't think they did i mean the jokes may not worked but i never once felt like when the movie needed needed to be serious that jokes ever detracted from the seriousness of that moment at least that's to me i mean other people may feel differently and that's perfectly understandable all right thanks for sharing that milo Next up, Suthius writes, never thought we'd actually see eternity in MCU. Neither did I. And I almost kind of wish they didn't. I, I Again, I just like, well, if that's been there the whole time, you're telling me nobody in all of history has ever gone there to do that before. It seemed a little weird to me. Anyway, Suthius also writes, just realize if Valkyrie's Pegasus can open up portals. We see her ride out of nowhere in the town battle. And then we see Jane ride uh, in for the last fight. Yeah. Which I was necessary because, again, Mjolnir can't open up the Bifrost, right? Mjolnir could not have gotten Jane from her hospital bed to the final fight to fight alongside Thor against Gore the God Butcher. Mjolnir couldn't do that. 
So they need something to do it. So they established earlier in the film that that's something her Pegasus could do. And it's good that they did because they needed that for later on. So it was a bit of a plot device, but it's at least one they laid a foundation for earlier in the film. Good observation, Suthius. All right, next up. Um, Suthius also writes, I have to wonder why Thor chose blue and gold when he produced his new suit during the, the town battle. It looks great at the end, just being black and gold. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that was a vanity thing. I think when he saw Jane rocking his look, he decided to go with something more regal. Remember when they first showed the first screenshots of Thor in that regal outfit of his, I said, I don't know that I dig it. Remember? I said, I, I don't know if I dig the colors of it. And But now seeing it in context of the movie, I think he did that to try to one up uh, Jane in the Thor motif. I, I, get, I, I don't know that for sure, but that's my guess at any rate. All right. Um, Suthius writes, think Hercules will be another protector of Earth. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea what way they're going to go with that. Are they going to make him straight up villainous? Are they going to make him, um, you know, just an adversarial presence for Thor? Will he become a hero in the universe, kind of like he does in the comics? No idea what they're going to do with that. We'll see what they do. Uh, Suthius also writes, a lot of new realms and dimensions they're showing us. Talo dimension, uh, the Nur realm, the Duat, Valhalla. Can't help but think they'll all be destroyed. We were talking about this the other day in uh, when I was talking about, I think, the five big problems with the MCU right now is it's getting very cold. It feels like every new movie or show is introducing another dimension or another time reality or whatever. Right. And a lot of times they contradict themselves. I know people try to say that they don't, but they really do. And. Now, now Valhalla is a different thing. That, that's, been, that's been an established thing in this MCU for a long time. So I'm not even going to lump that in with it. But it will be, to see, be interesting to see how Kevin Feige tries to find a way to make all this logically work together. So we'll see what they do. All right. <clears throat> Next up. Peter O'Callaghan writes, Hi from England. Hello, Peter from England. Uh, like the film after the end credit, do you think Jane and Heimdall will be back? I hope so. I don't think so. Now, notice how I'm saying think, right? I don't feel so convinced that no, absolutely not. But I don't think so. Again, I think that end credit scene was just to give the audience a happy ending for Jane. Could be wrong, but... I think this was a one and done for Natalie Portman coming back. I think it was just this one shot to give her a great exit out of the MCU to fix the Thor Jane relationship, which I never thought ever worked. I never thought the Thor Jane relationship ever worked until this movie. So I feel like she came back to get a great send off from the MCU and to fix the Thor Jane relationship. And I think they did both. So I personally, and I could be wrong. I don't feel hundred percent convinced about this. But I personally feel that end credit scene was just about giving Jane a happy ending. All right. Matthew Carter sends in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Matthew, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Matthew writes, I liked it, but Thor is starting to become a joke. I thought everyone was great, but the story felt rushed. Also, Gore's <coughs> end really bothered me. I wanted him to die in an epigraph of Conway, not Hallmark. I expected too much. I'm going to disagree with you on almost everything you just said. Except for the fact that it didn't that it that it felt a bit rushed. I agree, but I think that had to do with pacing issues, not the length of the film. Um I disagree that Thor became a joke. I disagree. I think he's aloof, 
but he's clearly hyper intelligent. Like whenever there came thing apart in the movie where he had to show exactly what he knows, he's incredibly intelligent, but he's extremely aloof. And I think, again, that has to do with his long lifespan, the fact that he's so overpowered, all that kind of stuff. But he knows a hell of a lot. When eternity is mentioned, he knows exactly what that is. And he knows exactly what that means. He's always able to deduce all this stuff very quickly. When he's able, when he knows how to, to project himself to the children and he sees the area of space, he instantly knows exactly where that is. He exactly knows what that area does. He knows what the nature of that place is. He knows how to get to that place and he knows what to do. So I don't think they've turned Thor into a joke at all. I think they're just showing him as being very, very aloof. I, I think that's what they've shown him being. Uh, as far as the ending of, of Gore, I disagree. I think Gore's ultimate death coming as a result of a choice of choosing love over vengeance, I thought that was personally beautiful. With all the other problems I have with this film, and, I, and earlier in this video, I laid out the laundry list of all the problems I have with it. But of all the long laundry list, I think <clears throat> there was something very poetic and and dare I say beautiful about the end of Gore. Ultimately seeing Thor be a god that he never thought gods could be, selfless, heroic, loving, empathy, um, enough so that he not only chose love, but he knew he could entrust his daughter to this god that he never thought he would have before. To me, um, it's not the ending I expected, not at all. But to me, it was quite good. Uh, Again, I can only speak for myself, but I thought the way they ended that, I thought that was incredibly poetic. I thought it leaned more into story than in action, and I thought it worked. Uh, But that's just me. It worked for you differently, Matthew, and that's totally cool. cool. Your perspective on it is no less valid than mine. Uh, It just hit me differently than it hit you. But thanks for sharing your thoughts on it, man. I appreciate that. And thank you for supporting our channel on that level, man. I appreciate that. All right. Next up, Matthew also writes, why does the little gore baby have superpowers? No idea, but that's a great question. It, it Honestly, when she started exhibiting this yellowless problem, like, wait a minute, when did she have that kind of power? The only thing, and that's a great question, Matthew. The only thing I can guess is that it was a part of gore wishing her back. I, I can only guess that it's a he made that a part of his wish in his head that not only could she come back, but that maybe to some degree she has the, the ability to protect herself. I don't know. Maybe it's just part and parcel with the fact that eternity brought her back. Maybe the very nature that eternity brought her back left a bit of eternity in her. Again, I'm just speculating, but I think you are asking the billion dollar question, Matthew. I really do. All right. Uh, next up. Cockroach 77 writes, Hey, John, what footage of Gore had you and the crew seen before the film? I felt super conflicting tones between stuff with Gore and everything else in the movie. Wish they had leaned more towards the former. Uh, sometime, a little bit, I agree. I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the video. The video footage that I saw months ago that we told you guys about, but we didn't tell you specifically what it was, was Thor, was Gore uh, with Thor whispering, Skull the axe. Like that was the stuff that we had seen. And it was horrifying. Like just seeing that one clip out of context of anything else, 
that was a chilling thing. That's why when we told people, yeah, we saw some footage of gore. And it was horrifying. That's why, like, uh, uh, Aaron Cummings was like, it, it, it petrified her. Like, it, it was a really, really great shot that we saw. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Uh, that was Cockroach. Next up, Remember Bulldog writes, uh, after sleeping on it, I like Thor. Don't love it. I'm, I'm with you on that. I like the film. Didn't love it. It has too many weaknesses for me to love it. Nowhere near as good as Ragnarok. Only the fifth best comic book thing of 2022 to me. But I liked it. I did. All right. Uh, let's see. Where are we at now? We are at Suthius, who writes, How exactly does Thor imbue the kids with some of his powers? I'm having trouble understanding. He had, all, he had the All-Father's powers for some time now, right? Look, different people have different theories. A lot of people think it's it's more of a Zeus thing, the Thunderbolt thing, but it was definitely Thor doing it. Uh, how would Thor know how to do it? What way did he do it? If he could do that, why didn't he do that with the Asgardians on? I mean, again, I, to me, it was a weakness of the film. That to me made no sense at all. Made no sense. And I like this movie. I like this movie. But that made no sense to me whatsoever. Um, some people saying the Odin Force. Um, you know, I... <clears throat> and you know, the funny thing is, I even like the scene. I like the kids fighting the shadow monsters, going, turning into Viking berserkers. And that... that uh, that uh, that uh, midbridge and in, in November rain from Guns and Roses playing that scene works for me. I have fun with it, but how the kids got their powers to me was stupid. That was stupid and it made no sense. But that's just me. All right, thanks for sending that in, Suthius. All right, uh, Jose reviews writes. Josie reviews writes. Two baby cakes is my catchphrase. My wife says that at least five times a day now. Ever since we saw Thor a couple of weeks ago. That's whenever, whenever I'm like, damn it, where'd I put my phone? And she's saying, chill, baby cakes. It's just like her favorite phrase in the world now. You know what? <clears throat> I hope at the end of Thor, when Jane dies and she whispers in his ear what her new catchphrase is, I hope it was chill, baby cakes. I hope that's her new catchphrase that she died, that she died for. All right. Remember Bulldog writes, definitely wish they would have went to a different route with how Thor found Gore. And uh, and not the kids MacGuffin. Also, this movie should have been longer. I disagree that it should have been longer. No one's. I've heard a bunch of people say it should have been longer. But how does the movie being longer make it better? It doesn't. Like with all the issues I had of this movie, not one of the issues that I listed would have been remedied by adding twenty more minutes to the movie. Like not one of my problems with this movie change if you just throw 20 more minutes at it i i really don't think it needed to be long i think it needed to be better i don't think it needed to be longer and i don't think making it longer would have made it any better but that's just my take on it remmer all right uh let's see josh becker writes the kids using thor's power seemed too goofy for me i think them using the powers was fun i think them getting the powers was dumb and and how they explain them getting it or or whatever. I think them getting the powers was stupid. Once they had them and they started using them, I was digging it. But still, I I, I just think I, they should have come up with something better, in my opinion. All right. Uh, Joseph Mitchell writes, 
He's here. He's there. He's every up and where. Hercules, Roy Kent. Um, although Danny Rojas already beat him to the MCU. Haha. Next up, Coach Beard. Let's go. Of course, Danny Rojas, he was the bartender, right? In the post credit scene in Spider-Man No Way Home, right? He was the bartender for Tom Hardy, right? Yeah, that was Danny Rojas. So yeah, Danny Rojas beat Roy Kent to the MCU, but still, I just love seeing him in there because I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. So it was great seeing that, Joseph. All right, next up. Uh, Brian Conlon writes, why is Valkyrie called king if she's a woman? Is it wrong to say queen now? With this and the woman king, what's with this agenda against Sat's word? Oh, fuck, fuck off. There's no fucking agenda, you fucking baby. First of all, we're talking about an alien god race. Who's to say you don't call anybody who is the head, who is the ruler king, whether they're man or woman, right? Who's to say anything about that? And the woman king is based on a true story that actually happened and something that person was referred to. So please go cry somewhere else. Please go cry somewhere else, Brian. All right, next up. Aiden Morales writes, uh, what changes, if any, would you make to the film? Uh, again, I've gone over a bunch of those already. Like, again, lean a little bit more from the 80% ratio of silliness, maybe down to about 65%. Come up with a better MacGuffin than the eternity thing at the end. The thing about the kids stuff, cut out some of the silliness. Yeah, we've, we've covered a lot of that already, Aiden. It's a good question, though. All right. Uh, Dad Jokes writes, I'm confused on who goes to Valhalla and doesn't. Is Odin there? I believe so, yes. He didn't die in battle. And why didn't Frigga and Heimdall turn into glitter? No idea. I think it's an inconsistent thing they've got in the MCU. Heimdall clearly goes there. Literally, Heimdall died in battle, right? Heimdall died in battle protecting Asgardians. So that's fine. Although, why didn't he do the sparkly dusty dust? I don't think it's something that the MCU really put a lot of thought into. So there's, I mean, again, at the end of the day, not a big deal, but you're totally right in pointing that out, dad. You're totally right in pointing that out. All right. Next up. Dad jokes writes, where were the gods during the snap? Did they snap? Why didn't they intervene? Uh, I find it hard to believe that they didn't care about that issue. Again, th this is the problem with shared cinematic universe, right? This is the problem with shared cinematic universe. With shared cinematic universe, if Aquaman has a problem, everybody just goes, why didn't Superman come show up, right? That's what we do. That, that's me, by the way. That's me all the time. When if something happens in the MCU, why didn't the Avengers show up? I mean, that's right. Well, if it's all in the shared, why didn't the gods show up? I, I mean, because they didn't. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all we're left with because they didn't. And that therein lies the problem with shared cinematic universe movies. And so if we're going to have shared cinematic universe, we as audiences, and I've got to remind myself of this all the time because I'm the worst, that the answer is just going to have to be because they didn't. Because if they did every time, then we're not going to have satisfying individual standalone movies. Um, so, I mean, it's a... Perfectly like you're asking a question dad jokes that I asked myself believe me, but the thing the answer I have to give myself is because they didn't and that's what happens when you start getting 35 projects into a shared cinematic universe 
between Disney Plus shows and all the movies and all this kind of stuff, you have so much that's there now that every once in a while, you're we're like, maybe a lot. We as fans are going to come around, well, why didn't this happen? And, and again, that's me. Um, and we just, the answer we're going to have to give ourselves is just because they didn't. Because they didn't have Omnipotent City yet when they made Infinity War. They, they they hadn't written that. They hadn't come up with that yet. You know, so there's there's all that. But but when it comes to all the shared cinematic stuff, sometimes we as audiences, I just, when I go, well, why didn't this guy show up? Then I just got to look myself in the ears and just say, because they didn't, okay? Move on. It's what I have to say to myself. Just move on. And, uh, and guess what? It's not going to be the last time that it happens. Why didn't Thor, or sorry, Thor, why didn't... At the end of the day, wouldn't it have been a much easier quest for Thanos to just go to eternity and say, I wish for half the life in the universe to be wiped out. Then trying to, over millennia, hunt down each individual infinity stone. Like, literally, seriously, why didn't Thanos just go find eternity? Everybody seems to know about it. And all he needed was a Bifrost? Wouldn't that have been 10 times easier than the whole Infinity War saga? You know what? You want to know why Thanos didn't do it? Because he didn't. That's why I got to tell myself, like after coming out of this movie, I'm like, why didn't Thanos just go to eternity then and make the wish? Because he didn't. Because that was a different story. So yeah, just got to, just got to keep telling myself that man, just got to keep telling myself. Um, all right. Next up, Suthius writes, Avengers Con, new Asgard theme park, Rogers the musical. These are the things I like to see, how ordinary people would see and deal with heroes on a daily basis. That is one thing that the MCU is doing quite well. It's like, you know, Rob is often asking, and it's a good question for him to ask. It's like, how does the average people of Earth, how does the average person on Earth react to and deal with all the stuff that goes on in the MCU? And you're right. If it was real, there would be an Avengers con. We would get a new Asgard theme park. We would get Rogers the musical. That is how we would deal. <laughs> That's exactly how we would deal. All right. Uh, next up, Zachary Zabeli writes, I'm a Portman fan, but I felt her acting was a little off. Really? The awkwardness could be uh, an acting choice, but she didn't act like that in Thor 1, did she? Mm, okay. Yes and no. First of all, let me just bring this up here, if I may, for a second. Um, Thor, uh, let me try this again. Okay. Thor release date. Yeah. Thor came out in 2011. That was 11 years ago. So Jane Foster, since we met her in Thor 1, she had been through all the experiences of the first Thor movie. She went through all the experiences of the second Thor movie. She went through a world that had the blip where half the population disappeared and was snapped away. Then it all came rushing back, changing the world again forever. Then she was dealing with cancer. And then she was given the power of an Asgardian Thor with Mjolnir. We would expect any person to act a little differently after 11 years and all those experiences 
listen, I don't act the exact same way that I acted 11 years ago because I've had a lot of different life experiences in the last 11 years that have helped change and shape me and, and make me a little bit different than I was 11 years ago. We should not expect. Now, this doesn't mean you have to like her acting, though. I, I'm not saying that. If you didn't like her acting, Zachary, you didn't like her acting. And, and I'm not speaking to that. But what I would say is if we went into this movie expecting Jane Foster, who went through all the things in Thor 1 and everything in Thor 2 and went through the snap and then went through cancer and then went through becoming a, 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 an Asgardian god for all that stuff, to still be the exact same person as when she was just this astrophysicist that we met in Thor 1, I, I think that's unrealistic that we should go into a movie expecting that. We should expect that they'd be a bit different. We should expect her to be changed with all the various life experiences and perspectives that she's had. So that doesn't address your concern about the acting, but as far as the character choice goes, I think it was appropriate that they showed her to be uh, evolved a little bit since that first Thor movie. But that, that's just my take on it, Zachary. Thank you for sharing your perspective on it. I appreciate that, man. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Dad Jokes writes, uh, Heimdall, welcome to Valhalla, Portman. Um, I'm Jewish. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not quite sure all that works. Like, I get that she's worthy of Valhalla because she died as a Thor in battle protecting Asgardians. But, yeah, what happens if she's of another faith and is she expected something else in the afterlife? I don't know. It's a good question, Dad Jokes. Dad Jokes also writes, I'd pay big bucks to see that Thor slash Loki slash Odin play, as would I. Inasmuch, um, um, inasmuch as I would be like, I would love to, why am I freezing? Oh yeah, Rogers the Musical. As I, as much as I, like, I would definitely, if there was Rogers the Musical actually playing somewhere, like in Los Angeles at the Pantages Theater, I would go watch that. If they were to actually have this Thor Odin play, and Matt Damon's got to be in it, um, I would go anywhere on earth to probably go and watch that play. I would probably dive to go see that. All right. Um, let's see. Where are we at here? Uh, Aiden Morales writes, one of two. I wish the MCU would explore the weight of characters losing someone. Uh, Strange lost his sister. Jane lost her mom. These are important tools that uh, can teach us about the characters and their motivations. Rather than just mention in passing or a two-second clip, hope you're doing well, by the way. Oh, I appreciate that. But but here's the thing, though, right? Um, we've all lost somebody, right? We've all lost somebody. Unless that particular loss was the defining moment of our lives. I, I don't know that if there was a movie made about you that they would have to spend a lot of time on that. Like, I'm sure there's a, I mean, I, like just talking about the experiences of Jane before, like there may have been like losing his sister was a big thing for Dr. Strange, clearly. There may have been five or six other moments in his life that were far more character defining than that loss. And so I don't know that like, because here's a question and, I, and I'm not asking this facetiously. Like I, I honestly, I'm asking, 
how would it have made the movie any better? Like say if they added a five minute scene um, of Jane dealing with the loss of her mother when she was a little girl. I'm not sure that furthers our understanding of the character if that's not the most defining thing that ever happened to her. And I'm not quite sure if that makes the movie any better. And I'm saying not sure because I'm not saying I've given this a lot of thought and I've got a definitive opinion on it. I don't. But I'm asking the question, would that have been really necessary? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it would have. It's an interesting thought you raised, though, Aiden. Thanks a lot for sending that in and giving giving me your perspective on that. All right. Dad Jokes writes, "Um, Among Wanda, Bucky, Black Widow, and Icarus, Thor is the most tragic character. He lost his family members, friends, people, world, and now his love. Oh, no, there's no, like, look, if you go back to the last Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok, people get mad at me when I say this, but it's a thousand percent true. Other than later Infinity War and Endgame, up until that point, Thor Ragnarok was the darkest MCU movie. And people say, well, it's on all the jokey jokes. Yeah, it had tons of jokey jokes. No doubt. It absolutely did. But the darkest stuff happens in that movie than in any other of the MCU movies, especially when you look at it accumulatively. Because in that one movie, Thor lost his eye. The death of Odin, the Allfather. The betrayal and ultimate death of his sister and the destruction of his homeworld, Asgard. Like, these are all, for a single character, a lot of heavy shit, particularly the destruction of Asgard. Oh, and on top of that, the destruction of Mjolnir, right? So, lost his father, his sister, the destruction of Mjolnir, and his homeworld was destroyed. That's a lot of heavy, dark shit for one movie. I think you're absolutely right. I think Thor has the most tragic story. You know, when he's having that one conversation, uh, sister's dead. My best friends are all dead. Uh, my father's dead. My lo- my brother's died like eight times. My home world was destroyed. My lifelong companion, this hammer Mjolnir forged in the heart of a dying star, destroyed. Um, like all that stuff. I mean, it's all. Yeah. He is the most tragic of all, the, of all the characters. Wanda's got a pretty tragic story too. But, and here's the thing. When you add it all together, I, I don't think it's surprising that he's become very aloof, right? Again, he's serious when he needs to be serious. He's hyper-intelligent when he needs to be hyper-intelligent. But for the most part, it feels like his way of dealing everything that life has given to him has been to become very aloof. At least that's the way I look at it. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but that's just the way I look at it. All right. Ryan Ramirez writes, Hey, John, love the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, And all you do... Uh, This movie was good. I had fun with it, but definitely can see why people wouldn't like parts of it. I do too. Yeah. Look, there's some movies we watch where we go, that movie was awesome. I think anybody who doesn't like it is crazy, even though that's stupid, but stupid to say, but really, really, really like I came out of Thor a couple of weeks ago when I watched it and I said on my show, this movie is not going to be for everyone. Right. And while it works for me, it definitely works for me. I said this, I can clearly see why this will not work for, for a bunch of people. 
And I talked about it at the time just in terms of the silliness. Like the silliness, if that kind of humor works for you and can strike a chord and make you laugh, you're going to like this movie. But if it doesn't, and it's totally understandable if it doesn't, if it doesn't, this will not be a movie that works for you. And I'm actually surprised. I said this earlier in the video. I am actually legitimately surprised that this video has high, as high of a of a audience rating as it does. Like I really thought, it, I think I said on the John Campy show that I would ex, I was expecting it to come between sixty five and 70 75 percent uh audience rating but like right now it's it's sitting at like over 80 i think it's like at 81 percent right you know what give me a second here let me actually pull this up and get a definitive number on this hold on a second here so if i were to go and looked up um uh thor love and thunder on rotten tomatoes as of this moment <coughs> yeah 81% audience rating. Critic rating right now is at 68%, which is right around where I kind of figured. I even thought that would be a little bit lower. I thought that would be a bit lower. But 81% audience rating is higher than I thought it would be. Uh, but yeah, it's. I'm with you, Ryan. I liked it. It worked for me. I don't love it. I think a lot of the other things are better than it. But I liked it. But I totally get Anybody who says to me, well, it didn't work for me. I'm going to go, yeah, I can't argue with you, man. I, I get it. I get why certain things in there that, that worked for me didn't work for you. I totally understand. All right. Thanks for sending that in, Ryan. Next up, uh, Bat Gayer Play writes, Hey, John and crew. I think they are preparing for the Phase 5 of the Young Avengers. Uh, they are looking for different kids. Uh, they are looking for different kids as Chris Hemsworth's child. I, you know what? <coughs> A lot of people have been saying that. I don't buy it. Again, I'm not 100% that I don't buy it, but in generally, I don't buy it. I don't think they're going to do a Young Avengers. I think just because they have the characters there doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're going to do. Um, and, and then if they do it, like I said, I think it's going to be some crappy Disney Plus show, but we'll find out. All right, next up. Uh, they write in again. Is there a connection on the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 that Ego shows the vast universe to Star-Lord, say, I see eternity? Is there a connection to eternity to the movie? I don't think so. I think, and I could be wrong, my initial thought on that is they were literally talking about eternity as the span of time, not eternity as the being in a noun possession, right? I don't think that's what they were talking about. I certainly don't think James Gunn, back when they made Guardians of the Galaxy 2, knew that seven years later, Taika Waititi was going to make a movie and he was going to have a character named Eternity uh, that they pull from the comic. I, I really don't think there's a connection there. We may find out there was. I mean, maybe James Gunn will come out and say that, yeah, I actually wrote that. But I think he meant that in terms of the span of time. At least that's my guess on it. Thanks for writing in. All right. Um, Stephen Wolf writes and sends in like a $20 super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Stephen, for supporting us on that level, man. Uh, Stephen Wolf writes, hey, John, I like Thor. However, it felt like there was something missing. The editing for me was a little jumbled. I agree. By the way, I did feel like the editing was a bit jumbled um, and I couldn't connect to the characters like in the past. Is it me or is there just something missing in general? You know what? This is one of those things that you call an intangible, right? I agree. I feel like there was something I can't quite put my finger on missing. 
something that was there in Ragnarok, but wasn't there in this film. Like, you guys know, I, I got my laundry list of problems with the movie, but but amidst all that, I think what you're expressing here, Stephen, is kind of a feeling I have too. There, there's just something intangible. There's an X factor there. And no, I'm not talking about X-Men, but there's an X factor here that I just feel like there's just a little something missing. Like, when you bite into a steak, and it's not that there's anything wrong with the steak, you just realize, ooh, there's a li- needed a little bit of pepper, right? Only in, in this sense, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I do agree. I missed out all the things that worked and didn't work and all that kind of stuff. You're right. Underneath it all, I feel like there's just, just a little something missing that was there in the previous film. And I'm not sure I can put my finger on it quite yet, Stephen, but I feel the same way you do. Thanks for writing that in, man. I think you're absolutely right about that. All right. Um, Arian Beskar writes, I like the movie a lot from Screaming Goats, which I love the Screaming Goats, uh, uh, Eating Children Jokes. I did love the Eating Children Jokes, actually. And Hard-Hitting Emotions. Wish some emotional moments got more time to breathe. I And I also could have used a couple of more emotional moments, you know? Um I think there was a really good opportunity. This is just as an example. In that time when uh, Korg was analyzing Valkyrie and, and because when they were talking on the ship, I think there was an opportunity to give that scene a little bit more time and actually have Valkyrie express the consequences like start talking about the effects and the consequences of all the things that Korg just accurately analyzed instead of giving a like very short answer like yeah that's about it or, or whatever it was that she said I think you're right in that moment even like another 30 seconds to really soak in the consequences of what was just said I think that could have been helpful I agree all right next up uh, Arian also writes, needed more gore doing God butchery on screen. Again, I think all it needed was one more scene. One more scene of showing gore actually butchering a God to make the audience actually feel the threat level. Because we never really got that from him just killing that first sun God. Because it was just lucky. Like the God was choking him out. The sword flew into his hand and so he stabbed him. Giving us one scene of gore truly being a God butcher, I think could have been helpful for the audience. Anyway, South Texas Shark writes, uh, wait. Was Jane, uh, sorry, was Jane Worthy or Mjolnir just doing his job? I think it's both. I think she was able to wield Mjolnir because she was worthy, because she is the one who made Thor worthy. And But I think Mjolnir called to her because of the incantation Thor put on Mjolnir. When Thor said, look after Jane, I think that's why Mjolnir called out to her. But I think if she wasn't worthy, I don't think she could have wielded it. So that's my take on it at any rate, South Texas. All right. Uh, Next up, Gilbert Garcia writes, Hey, John, Friday was my birthday. Happy belated birthday, man. Uh, And I saw Thor Love and Thunder for the third time. And what an amazing way to celebrate with an amazing movie and last episode of The Boys for my birthday. Oh, yeah, my God. I love I personally freaking love the last episode of The Boys. I think besides the Batman, the boys has been the best superhero thing on tele- on screen, whether it's the big screen or the small screen in 2022, but whatever. 
Hey, man, nothing's better for your birthday when you get to enjoy some really good stuff that works for you in that level. I don't think I loved it quite as much as you did, Gilbert, but I'm glad that you did that much, and that is an awesome thing to do for your birthday. So congratulations on that. And once again, Gilbert, happy belated birthday, man. I hope you had a great one, and I hope you have a great, there's only a few hours left, but a great rest of your, rest of your weekend as well. All right, next up, we got Nate Jensen who writes, um, the focus of the story should have been on Jane and Thor, but that was the weakest part of the story to me. Ooh, oh, I disagree with that. But uh, it felt like three stories in one, Gore, Mighty Thor, and Jane and Thor. Totally inconsistent. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on that one, Nate. I, first of all, a lot of movies will have your main plot and a couple of good, solid subplots. Um. I thought the story of Jane and Thor, like I said, I have never liked Jane and Thor. That, that, that is a couple that has never worked for me. Even in movies that I love, like the first Thor movie. It, I love the first Thor movie. Other than Man of Steel, it's the, it's the next most underrated comic book film of all time, in my opinion. But the Jane and Thor relationship did not work for me. Just didn't. Never has. Until this movie. And I thought, the way they developed it, I thought it was perfect. I, I really do. I think that was probably the strongest aspect of the movie, in my opinion, just, just for me at any rate. So that worked really good. And I don't see there being anything inconsistent about it. That's just me. Um, but obviously, Nate, it hit you, hit you in a different way. And your perception of it is no less valid than mine. That's how it worked for you. But I got to say, amongst all the things that didn't work, that was the thing that worked for me. It's the first time I ever cared about this couple and that it ever actually worked for me or made sense. And I actually felt it to the point that when she died in his arms at the end, like if if Jane had died in Thor's arms at the end of Dark World, I honestly would not have cared. I, I, I honestly wouldn't have cared. Because I've never really cared all that much about that relationship at all. I wouldn't have felt anything. But when she died in his arms at the end of this, I did feel it because I, I thought this movie made for the first time ever that relationship work. Something that had never worked in the MCU before and I thought it worked here. But anyway, that was just my perception of it, Nate. I'm glad you had yours and I'm glad you shared yours with me. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Um, Jared McBride writes, I went and saw Thor Love and Thunder yesterday at 10 a.m. I like the movie. Natalie Portman was awesome and she kicked ass and she can be my bodyguard any day. I thought she was terrific in it. I really did. I, I thought the character was great. I love the cancer story angle. I love the fact that she's so noble. She's like, look, I understand that the more I use this power, the faster I'm going to die. But all I care about is there are children in danger. And even if that means hastening my death, I'm going to go do that. It's not risking my death. I know it means my death if I go and utilize this power to go and save these children. And she does it anyway. And I love the line she says to Thor in there when she says, since getting me on here, it's like I got a second life. A short one, but a glorious one filled with purpose. And I, I really like that moment a lot. I really did. All right. Uh, thanks for sharing that, Jared. Next up, Nate Jensen writes, also, the humor didn't work for me. Not surprised. I, I never thought it would work for everybody. I wanted to strangle those damn goats <laughs> after the 50th time I heard them scream. That was so annoying. Well, listen, you know I disagree, right? Like, I, I get it. I get it that it would wear on you pretty quick. Totally understand. But every time those goats would scream, my wife and I would laugh our fool heads off. I, I mean, it just, it were, and you know what? 
I think the goat screaming becomes a good litmus test for the humor of the rest of the film. Because, you know, I said, you know, it's this film leans way more into the silly aspect. If that kind of humor works for you, the movie will work for you. If it doesn't work for you, the movie won't work for you. I think a great single litmus test for that is just the goats. Right? I think you could show all the goat scenes. If you could put together like a five-minute thing and just show all the goat scenes in five minutes to somebody, then I think you could say to somebody, if this works for you and makes you laugh, you'll probably like this movie. If this does not work for you and it does not make you laugh, you probably won't like this movie. I think, Nate, you just put your finger on like a really good litmus test for if somebody will generally like this movie or not. Anyway, thanks for sharing. You and I have different perspectives on it, but that's great. Thank you for sharing yours, man. All right, next. Uh, We got... Uh, that's wrestling hound writes. I really like the movie overall, but I was a just dis- a bit disappointed after both credits when my favorite superhero beta Ray bill didn't show up. LOL. Fun movie though. Hey man, I was just saying that myself, right? I was kind of expecting to see beta Ray bill show up. Now don't get me wrong. I love the first post-credit scene with Hercules and I liked the second post-credit scene because again, it shows us after that big emotional death of Jane, we get to see her have a happy ending. She does enter Valhalla, greeted by Heimdall and brought into Valhalla. I thought that was great. I really did. Um, but yeah, man, I, I was I was kind of expecting Beta Ray Bill. And I'm okay that he didn't show up. Beta Ray Bill will show up at some point. And it'll be great. Um, and quite frankly, Beta Ray Bill wouldn't have fit the story of the movie, right? It just would have been, look everybody, I'm Beta Ray Bill. Like it really would. So the post-credit scene, the mid-credit scene set up probably the next movie. The second post-credit scene gave us uh, brought to full circle Jane's journey. So those all served the movie. Beta Ray Bill would have been out of nowhere. I think I'd rather see Beta Ray Bill actually make his first appearance, not in a post-credit scene, but actually in a movie rather than a post-credit scene. But yeah, I, listen, man, I was kind of half expecting him to pop up there too. All right. Um, Scott D writes. I love the Spaceballs RV Thor and love and love live in. I did too, man. I got. I'm glad I'm not the only one who said Spaceballs when I saw that because I said that too, Scott. All right, one, two, five, three, sir. Three rights. I think some of the silly humor worked, but a lot of it didn't. The Mjolnir Stormbreaker joke got old fast. See, I don't think it got old fast, but it did get old for me. The goats never got old for me, but the Stormbreaker joke. It was hilarious the first couple of times. And again, like, I I howled at that. But that was one of the jokes that they then at some point should have cut it off. Say, okay, we made that joke enough times now. And then moved on from it. So, yeah, but a lot of the other stuff worked for me too. The earlier iterations of the joke I thought worked great. It just eventually, it started to get a little tired for me. I agree. All right. Uh, Dr. Spiderman writes, uh, blades don't fade, bro. When they start talking about, by, by the way, how funny was that scene when the rollerblade is using Mjolnir to pull them along? By the way, that whole flashback sequence going through their Jane and Thor's relationship, I thought it was great. By the way, did you notice that when Nick Fury called him, he had Nick Fury misspelt on his phone? Did you notice that was Nick Fury? Anyway, I thought that was funny. Little little details like that can kill me. Uh, all right. Where are we at now? We are at um, Farai. Zamudzi writes, 
Hey, John and Rob. Obviously, Rob's not here. Uh, I love Thor, Love and Thunder, but I kind of think we uh, could have used a bit more of Gore going around killing the gods. That is a that like we all seem to be on the same page as that. Like I said, I think just one more scene. Because really, we never saw Gore do any god butching. When we do not see the villain doing their villain things, it's 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 more challenging for us as the audience to really feel the emotional impact of the character. With Gore, we just saw him being choked out by one god, and then he got lucky that the Necrosword th- flew into his hand and he just stabbed him once. Okay. I think it would have been beneficial as an audience member to get more emotionally invested in the character and to feel the dread and the danger of the character more if we had just one more scene of Gore tracking down another god and just savagely destroying them. I think that would have made us feel the dread all the more when Gore shows up in New New Asgard looking for Thor and and Stormbreaker, right? I think it could have been beneficial. All right, Uh, next up. Mickey Veach writes, small nitpick, but the Marvel Studio logo has Kamala in costume for a split second and the last episode hasn't aired yet. So, (laughs) I mean, uh, all right, maybe we got a glimpse of a costume she's wearing. Is that really a problem? Uh, But then again, Mickey, you you admit, you say right out, it's a small nitpick. It is. It's a small. I, I, I find it completely inconsequential. I don't think that was now if in the Marvel opening logo, we see uh, Kamala Khan as the the M is moving Kamala Khan and then Captain Marvel shows up and shakes her hand. And that's supposed to okay that then would be spoiling something. But I think you're right. Maybe I think that's a small nitpick. I, I wouldn't worry about that myself, man. All right. I am looking forward to that finale a lot, though, Mickey. All right. Next up. Uh, uh, where are we at? Lucky BX writes. I loved Ragnarok. Not so uh, this, not so much. Six out of ten. Needed more gore butchering gods. That seems to be a common thread here. The real villains of the film were goofy humor and cancer. Um, again, for me, the goofy humor worked. I mean, sometimes it went too far, like the bow, the god of dumplings. That was uh, that, that was a little bit too much. There were a couple of moments of that, but in general, the silly fun humor really did work for me which is why I ended up liking this movie. But again, not nearly as much as Ragnarok, though. I, I think Ragnarok was a better film on almost every level. But uh, yeah, there's that. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, Lucky BX. Uh, Nick Soto writes, John, oh my God, Eternity. Uh, I was the only one in my theater who knew uh, it was him. Well, at what point, though? Like, did you know that that's what they were going for? It's foe. Then then, then you got uh, ahead of that quite a bit. All right. Bert writes, Gore, the off-screen God Butcher. Yep. Yep, you're not wrong. It very much was Gore, the off-screen God Butcher. You're absolutely right. All right. King Mike Todds writes, I have no question. I just wanted to say uh, thank you, man, for everything. Your shows get me through my day. I'm glad I found your channel in 2018. Keep being awesome. Well, thank you so much for that, man. I really appreciate that. It's like, seriously, I say this a lot, but I mean it sincerely. It's... It's wonderful when somebody wants to write in and tip to support the channel and all they want to do is just say something encouraging. So thank you for that, Mike, Mike, uh, King Mike Todd's. I really appreciate that. And thanks for being here and participating. I appreciate it so much, dude. And thanks for being around since 2018. All right. Uh, where are we at? We're at Keeks Luna, who writes, the trailers bored me, but I enjoyed the movie. 
polar opposite from Doctor Strange trailers. It got me pumped, but uh, the movie disappointed me. Seven out of ten. Um, you know what? I think I like the trailers more than you did. Yeah, I, I like the trailers. I, I really did. To me, the, the movie doesn't quite live up to the trailers. And again, like the one nitpick I had a little bit earlier, the trailers seem to promise a little more Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm not saying the, the movie would have been better with more Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm just saying the trailer kind of misrepresented how much the Guardians would be in this movie. But whatever, I, I still like it. I don't give numerical scores to movies. Uh, if I did, mine would probably come close. Um, my, my score would probably come at least a little bit close to what yours was. Maybe a touch, touch, touch lower. But uh, that's how I generally felt about it. And, and I didn't mind Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness. There are certain things about Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness I thought were great. Certain things about it that I thought were great. But I actually have Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness ranked lower than Thor this year like I, I mentioned this earlier in the show but i put this up on my twitter i said here are my top here's how i rank the comic book stuff on screen and that means big screen or small screen that has been on screen in 2022 i said number one the batman number two the boys season three number three peacemaker number four ms marvel number five thor love and thunder and number six Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. So yeah, I would rank Thor a little bit above Doctor Strange as well. I think that's how I'd have it too. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up. We only got time for a couple of more guys, and then we're going to have to wrap it up here. Uh, drippy frames per second writes, uh, the Valkyrie's death scene in Thor Ragnarok might be the best cinematography in the MCU. Every frame from that scene could be made into a painting. Well, that's pretty much what it was, right? <coughs> That whole flight of the Valkyrie as they were fighting against Hela in that flashback, every frame of it was like a, 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 an art exhibit portrait. Like every frame of that was like a piece of art you'd see hanging in an art room somewhere. It was gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. I don't know that I'd say it's the best cinematography they've had in the MCU. Like, Steve Rogers standing on the battlefield alone facing down Thanos and his entire army behind him. I mean, visually, that was just awe-inspiring to me, but it's absolutely beautiful, Drippy. Absolutely beautiful. Okay, next up. Uh, Babolo uh, 000 just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Babolo. Uh, Mickey Veach writes, probably my favorite opening shot to an MCU movie with Gore Shadow. I thought it was a terrific opening. I thought it was a terrific opening. Just... Just smash cut right into it, caked, dried out earth, devoid of any life or signs of life, and just Gore carrying his little girl. I thought it was a great way to open it. I, I, I So I agree, man. I thought that was a beautiful, beautiful opening. I don't know if it's my favorite MC opening shot of all time, but it was quite good. All right. We're going to wrap up. We now have been streaming for three hours, guys. So we're going to wrap it up with this. Steve writes, or Steven writes. Hey, yeah, I loved the movie. I actually thought the movie was more serious than funny, even though there were a lot of very funny moments. Not a fan of how Zeus was portrayed, but otherwise I loved it. Well, look, I, uh, first of all, number one, Steve, Stephen, I'm glad you loved it that much. I'm, t I'm thrilled that you loved that. That is awesome. I'm going to disagree with you. I thought 
I personally thought Zeus was the best part of the movie, but but that's just me. I also think the silly moments did far outweigh the serious. I thought the serious moments landed and I thought they worked. But I thought, yeah, I, again, another viewer wrote in earlier and said they felt like the ratio was 80% silly, 20% uh, serious. And I think they're right. I think it really was right around there. I could have used it a little bit more balanced out, like maybe 65% to 35% maybe would have been a little bit better. But hey, listen, that's how it worked for you. And for you, the serious moments landed even harder. They felt like they outnumbered the silly parts and you didn't like Zeus. I'm completely opposite. It's like I thought it was a lot more silly, but I really love the fact that they love Zeus. But hey, whatever. The thing is, though, you love the movie and I'm glad you did. I had a good time with it, too. I thought it could have been better, but I had a good time with it. The most important thing is here. We both went to go see a movie. and We both had a good time. So that's important. All right, guys, listen. There are still more to go. For example, we have Gilbert Garcia. We have The Minds Behind, Attack of the Mushi, and a bunch others. But that is all the time that I have for today. Like I said, we've been streaming for three hours. My, <clears throat> I got to make sure I'm able to do the John Cabe show this week. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, you know what? I'm going to put up a poll right now. I'm going to put up a poll. Because what I normally like to do when we do these big, long, open spoiler discussions is sometimes I feel like, well, guys, maybe to hear the rest of the answers to the rest of the questions that we still have to do, because we're going to do a part two. We're going to do a part two to our Thor open spoiler discussion uh, where we will answer all the rest of the questions that have been sent in, because there's still a bunch that we still have to get to. Sometimes I go, well, you know what? Maybe everybody wants to hear a different perspective. So what I'll do is I'll get like Rob to do part two. But then sometimes people complain that, that they wanted to hear me answer the question. So let me ask you right now. Should, let me try this again. <laughs> should I do part two or should I get Rob to do it? You know, for maybe you think like, hey, John, you've answered all the questions up till now. You should be the one to finish them off. Or maybe you're thinking, hey, you know what? We heard you answer a lot of these questions. Maybe the other questions, we need to hear a different perspective from somebody. So let me just put up a poll right now and ask you guys, who do you want to do part two? Uh, if you're watching live right now, I just, I see some people saying both of you do it. That's not going to happen because that would take eight hours to do. Like take the amount of time it would take to answer it and then double it. So that's not going to happen. We're not going to have it with me and Rob. Um, but I just personally think now that I've answered most of them, it might be kind of refreshing to get a different perspective from a different person doing it. That's why I often will get Rob to do it. So let me check here on it right now, about 130 of you guys have voted and like 74% of you are saying Rob should do it. Now 73% are saying Rob should do it. So yeah, there we go. I think, I, I think it would be good to have Rob do since I did most of them. I think it'd be good just to get a little bit of a different perspective. So, um, I mean, I don't know if Rob even can do it right now. The schedule might line up, but I will I will see if I can get Rob to do it. If I can't, for whatever reason, then I'll do the second part myself. But if I can get Rob to do it, I'll get Rob to do part two. Okay, guys. For now, that'll do it for this live stream of our Thor open spoiler discussion <laughs> over three hours long. Can't believe my voice held out for this long. Thank you so much for being here and making this video part of your day. Don't forget... There are still some questions that didn't get answered. We will get those answered in a part two, either tomorrow or Tuesday. Sometime in the next 48 hours, we will get part two put up and you guys will get those unanswered questions answered. 
Guys, thanks so much for being here. Big special thank you to all of those of you guys who sent in questions. Number one, because it gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campus Show, thank you guys so much for your support. Okay, guys, don't forget, tomorrow the John Campia Show returns. Make sure you come back and join me, Amy, and Rob, Ray, and Fact Checker Jonathan. Hope you guys will come and join us for that. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.